After recording this week's episode, tragedy struck the extended Cinefessions family with the passing of the man behind our artwork, Dustin Pace. Dustin, better known as Duddy in Motion on Twitter, passed away on Thursday, August 3rd. Dustin was a shining example of everything that's good about being a genre fanatic. His passion for genre films came through with every tweet, and he manifested that passion into his artwork, which was always uniquely Dustin. He had an incredible talent for creating eye-catching artwork that you couldn't forget. I remember seeing his first draft of our current logo and simply saying, wow. All of us here at Cinefessions are so proud to have just a bit of Dustin's passion representing our website and our podcast every single day. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you for always being so positive, so passionate, and so willing to share your talents with the rest of us. You can find more of Dustin's artwork at duddyinmotion.bigcartel.com. It is with heavy heart that we dedicate episode 101 of the Cinefessions podcast to the memory of our artist and our friend, Dustin Pace. Welcome to episode 101 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan. And joining me tonight, we have Mark Nadeau. Mark, how's everything going this? Well, I guess it's afternoon, not this evening, but I'm so used to saying this evening. So. Yes, sipping beer in the afternoon. There it's you nice go. to be off during the week. See, goddamn, that's, I, I, I know, I'm off this the rest of this week as well, and I should have gotten something to drink while I was well, out today and didn't think about it. I can, I, I can <laughs> for the next, you know. Right, I'd have to like, I'd have to run to the store though, because of course I don't have anything in the house. But oh. I know. Uh, oh, that's yeah. okay. Oh, well. I, I have one here for you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Always looking out. 24-7. Yeah, absolutely. So, unfortunately, Ash uh, has uh, been sick this past week with the flu, so he had to bow out of tonight's recording, but he should be back with us again next week. Yeah. So, tonight we are taking a look at season one of the Netflix original series Glow, which just released back at the end of June, and then we are going to finally move on to round 31 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge. First, though, let's talk about social media and how you can interact with us outside of just listening to the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. Also, make sure you're following along on our Cinefessions Instagram account. Mark posts loads of reviews and his media pickups, so definitely give that a follow. And if you uh, if you can, like our Facebook page over at facebook.com backslash Cinefessions. And you can check out our long list of past reviews and all 101 podcast episodes right on Cinefessions.com. And if you haven't already, search for Cinefessions on YouTube where you can find our first ever live episode that we recorded a couple weeks back for the 100th episode. And we do think that video will be back for the podcast uh, probably sh sooner rather than later. Uh, we just decided that we were going to do a little more traditional this week because of the fact there's, there's only a couple of us this week. So that will be uh, something that we, you know, do in the future because we really liked it. So hopefully you guys do too. Also, if you are a fan of the show, 
please do us a huge favor. Leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews on iTunes are essential to helping us grow. So thank you, everyone, in advance for for your support over there. And then finally, we are proud to tell you that episode 101 of the Cinefessions podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial, so all of our Cinefessions listeners get a chance to check out their services. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, and your Kindle devices. So head on over to audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions to get your free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions. So we have not really talked about our week in media since episode 99, which was, fuck, six weeks ago, almost? Long time ago. Long time ago. Um, So we have a lot to talk about potentially here. Uh, I'm going to kind of um, limit mine as best I can. I'll I'll dive in first if uh, that's okay with you, Mark. Go right ahead. Yeah. So the, the past month or so has really been all about video games for me. I've watched virtually no films, but I've played um played a good amount of games and um have purchased some uh, you know gaming related things to talk about. So so that's what I'm going to spend my time doing here. Um so first up uh, for my birthday, my wife grabbed me a $50 Amazon gift card, so I put that toward a Raspberry Pi 3, which I am now using as a retro gaming machine. Um, so as most of you will know, probably, um, I did order a retro Sigma that is supposed to be here. Well, that was supposed to be here like two months ago, yeah, but I finally, true. yeah, I know. I finally got an email though. And I, Mark, you haven't gotten an email yet. I don't believe, have you saying no, not yet with a tracking number? Okay. So I, I did get one with a tracking number. Um, there's nothing to track at this point. I think it's shipping from, uh, somewhere in China, I believe is what it said. Um, but I do not have, uh, any update on it, but I do have a tracking number, so it should be here soon, sooner rather than later, which is good. Um, but I just, I got impatient and tired of waiting for it. And so I really wanted to, to get this Raspberry Pi three and try it out. And, um, you know, honestly, one of the main reasons I bought this was because people claimed it could, you know, play systems all the way up to, and including PS2 and GameCube, Mm -hmm. um, and also Dreamcast, but that's not really the case at all. Um, at least as far as I can tell right now. So everything I've read since owning it says that it cannot run GameCube or PS2 just because the, the GPU is not strong enough. And there are tons of problems with it running Dreamcast games as well. Okay. I've added like five or so Dreamcast games to it. Um, and I haven't gotten any of them to work quite yet. So, um, and then there's this long list of games that, of, of Dreamcast games that just won't work or there are problems with it. So that was, that's a little d- disappointing. Um, and, and really there was a bit more to setting the whole thing up than I anticipated. Um, it, it's not that it's hard or difficult because frankly, it's pretty easy. It's just time consuming in regards to getting the most out of it and trying to kind of manipulate, uh, manipulate it to do everything that I wanted to do because it's, it's just, a, it's a mini computer is what it is. And so you have to get what you want on it in order for it to work. Um, and actually, I talk about it. If you guys um, are following us on Facebook, I did post a video there, a long one. I didn't mean for it to be so long, but it was. And um, I post there and talk a little bit more about it um, there. So definitely check that out if you're interested. But um, so frankly, I'm not right where I want to be with it yet. And um, the first night I did it, I stayed up till you know pretty late, you know, um, messing with it. And uh, then I kind of just have let it sit there for the past couple of days. Um, I am going to jump back on it again, probably this evening and see what I can do with it. But um, it's a great way 
once you get it going to play PlayStation games and anything earlier than that. Um, but it's really good for like the 16 bit, 8 bit era. It's great for that. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested to, to see how the retro sig, retro sigma handles Dreamcast games because that's one of the advertised systems on the, on the, you know, the Kickstarter for it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I went with that machine mm-hmm. instead of getting a Pi program myself is because I wanted the graphic interface. Like I wanted to, I wanted it to be looking good already on my screen when I plug it in and that all I'd have to do is load ROMs. Um, yep. I didn't want to program. I didn't want to play with some backend stuff. I just wanted to plug it in, download the stuff and start playing on my big screen. So hopefully it lives up to its promise. Um, but uh, that's the reason why I've never done the whole pirate just because, uh, I'm not that tech savvy when it comes to like programming and soldering and anything of that nature. So, yeah. Yeah. There's no, so like the most, uh, what's the like hardware construction I had to do. I had, I had literally, I just put it into the case and I had to stick two heat sinks onto it, which literally is just like, um, double-sided tape that you stick on to two specific areas. That was it. So that part was good, but you're like me probably where I don't know any Linux at all. Like you have a Mac, I have a PC. I, I used to use Mac. They say that Mac is very similar to Linux, but like, I don't know like command prompts and shit like that. You know, I just, not something I know. Yeah. That's stuff I used to learn back in high school, but that's like right. 20 years removed now. Yeah. yeah. And so, and you need to know those things, which frankly, I, I didn't, I don't know any of them. I just, you know, Googled and watched YouTube videos and it was able to do it. But yeah. I mean, that's, it's really for someone that's good at that shit. Um, I'm sure it it ha- it's a great answer for a lot of people. People love this thing, which is why, you know, people so many people were talking about it, which is why I got it. Um, but it definitely isn't as easy as I was anticipating it being, I guess, based on everything I read about it. So, you know, I'm not poo-pooing it by any stretch. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's great for what I've been able to make work on it so far. Um, and I just haven't spent enough time with it to get it where I want it to be. But um, it's definitely something you have to you have to create it's not just out of the box at all so mm-hmm. that'll turn and, people and off that's, and that's what i want i want something right yeah. out of the box that works right away right right um so yeah i also uh purchased a new webcam which i was able to actually use, i used i purchased it a couple of days before episode 100 so i was able to use it for that um it is um i really like the quality um of it a lot and so i purchased that and i grabbed an elgato hd60 yeah um, i was in uh, it's, it's f- fucking fantastic. Like I have used it, um, a good amount, but I, everything I've done has been like private videos on YouTube, uh, oh. just cause I wanted to, I want to like work out the kinks before I go live with anything. Tell me more about these private videos. <laughs> They're as boring as you can expect. Uh, but, you know, I think whatever the customer wants, right? That's right. Exactly. Is, but then any, um, spe- you know, since we're doing glow this week, any mm-hmm. apartment wrestling at all, any requests for that? Not you know, yet, where, no, where but I'm by hoping. In your apartment, you know, yeah. on the carpet. <laughs> I love apartment carpet wrestling. It's one of my favorite <laughs> subgenres of professional wrestling. Right? But, yeah. So, I, I, like I said, I've been using it a lot. So, I'm just trying to, like, you know, get everything the way I want it um, and uh, go from there. And then, you know, just recording gameplay. I mean, mm-hmm. and the videos that it, the footage that it records look fantastic. And, um, you know, I can use it on any, any system I want, including PC, which is nice. And I don't have to worry about like on PS4, you can stream, but sometimes they'll block out shit, um, during different menus and whatnot. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. So are you going to open like a Cinefessions Twitch account or something or what's your plan? Um, I was, 
uh, basically I'm using YouTube at this point. Um, YouTube streaming is what I was just planning on using. Um, but that can, I don't think there's going to be as big an audience there as there would be on like Twitch and Mixer and whatnot. So I'm planning on, you know, expanding to that at some point, but I'm still just trying to figure out what I want to have like a, I want to have a purpose or, you know, a goal in mind before I just get started. Yeah. Um, whether it's finishing a specific game is something as simple as that or going through a series, a series, right? Whatever it is, you know, uh, playing something for an hour at a time, you know, that whatever it is. I want to have that something. other service you said, Mixer? Mixer, that's – yeah, because you don't, you're not an Xbox guy. It's an Xbox One. They got rid of – or they – I don't know if they got rid of it, I guess, but they kind of like merged their streaming oh, okay. um, area. Instead of using Twitch, it automatically goes with Mixer. Gotcha. Uh, I don't I, – I beats the shit on me what it is. It's just another social media thing like that. Uh, but – yeah, it's it's what you see initially. I think you can still. I in fact, I know you can still stream to Twitch, okay. but they're basically they they push Mixer uh, type of thing. If that makes sense, like that's yeah. Well, if it's, the if first it's one their that service up. that they're offering, obviously, yeah. in, the, in the forefront, right? So exactly, and that's that's all that is. But yeah, so you know, eventually I'll be getting there. You know, I, and frankly, I'm a huge sports video game fan, so I'm sure I'm going to be spending a lot of times with that, uh, with that, which I know is not going to interest, uh, you know, a certain audience, but you know, it's, it's about having fun. And so that's what makes, you know, that's what I have fun with. So that's probably what I'll be into playing a lot of, but hopefully at some point I'll get around to something, you know, everyone, uh, other people enjoy. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so, and that's, and that's the thing, like I have so, that's my biggest problem. I have so many different ideas of things I'd like to bring to Cinefessions, but instead of actually like acting on something, I just live in the idea and the planning stages. And then I just don't see them come to life, which is something I really, you know, need to work on. And I'm hoping that I can get a couple different things going kind of while we have this lighter scum- summer schedule, which was, you know, one of my main reasons for wanting to do that. So we'll okay. see. We'll see where it takes us. Um also for my birthday, Chris got me a uh, a PSP that he got a really good deal on, um, but he forgot to send it with the battery. So I've been trying to track down a battery, <laughs> which has proven impossible in my area. So I eventually I, I had to turn to Amazon to find one, and I'm that one actually comes in tomorrow. Um, I received the so the other thing that sucks with the PSP and like the Vita is they have their own proprietary uh, uh, memory stick. Mm-hmm. So the the PSP uses the Pro Duo. But fortunately, I they've it's been so long now that they have a mini SD to Pro Duo converter, and so instead of spending sixty bucks on a sixteen gigabyte Pro Duo PSP memory card, I bought this four dollar adapter and a uh, what did I get a sixty four megabyte or gigabyte uh, micro SD card for twenty two dollars, and so you know, more than double the memory at less than half the cost. And so it looks like it's going to work. It fits in the system and everything. I obviously I don't have the battery yet, so I can't find out until tomorrow if it actually works, but okay. it looks like it's going to. So I'm excited about that. Cool. But, and then again, uh, just to kind of uh, promote our other shit, check out the Facebook page. I did an unboxing video of that package that I received from Chris. Um, and again, thank you for, for that, that awesome surprise, Chris. I really appreciate it. Um, and I think the the thing I'm most excited about with the um, the PSP now is that I can play my PS1 classics on the go, mm-hmm. um, assuming I, the better I get doesn't suck, which frankly, it very well could because <laughs> it's not easy to find highly reviewed PSP replacement batteries on Amazon. Okay. They're all pretty shitty reviewed, but whatever. We'll see. 
Um, so um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, get my battery tomorrow and and see what happens. That's very cool. Yeah, I had a PSP back in the day, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, I used to as well. Um, and so you know, I had a PSP, uh, had a Vita. Ended up getting rid of all of them. The only portable I have now is the the 2DS, which I frankly barely ever use. But yeah, now with the Switch, I I haven't even charged my 3DS in a long time. Hmm. Yeah, and honestly, I'm kind of getting more and more interested in the Switch as the days go by. So I'm I'm sure I'll probably have one of those by the end of the year. Yeah, if you can find them in stores. <laughs> actually, yeah, actually around here they they're in store and uh, ready to go. Um, really. Yep, all the GameStops I went to recently, you know, say stitch it, uh, switch in stock, ask a, an associate, blah, blah, blah. So You should buy one and flip it because it's really hard to get. Is it still hard to get? Man, I'm reading uh, articles on uh, Kotaku.com where yeah. apparently in Japan, they have to do draws, like lottery draws. Holy shit. And the lines are crazy and apparently some of the draws are rigged and it's oh, a big wow. thing in Japan. Huh. That's really weird. I did not realize it was still as hard to find as that. That's interesting. Even in Canada, very di- yeah. difficult to find. Very difficult. Oh. Hmm. See, I'll, I'll, I'll get one and I could probably fucking sell it for twice the cost and then get a free one. Probably could. <laughs> man, oh man. Yeah. So I was I was looking through my um, my purchases this year and it's been really strange. So normally I'm spending all my money on movies, right? And every mm-hmm. once in a while I'll buy some games. Well, this year's kind of been the complete opposite. The majority of what I bought this year has been video games. Um, in fact, this is the first year that I decided to track all of my media spending instead of just my movie spending. Okay. <laughs> I really wish I didn't because if I was only tracking my movie spending, it would look like I've been doing great this year. <laughs> um, you know, I've only bought about 25 movies all year and the vast majority of those were from the horror convention I went to and, uh, like the days around it. Um, so for whatever reason, I just haven't been buying movies, but plenty of games. And since our last recording, I picked up a good number of them. Okay. Um, I won't talk about everything I bought, uh, but I will highlight the fact that um, GameStop is currently having a sale where any of their used games that are four ninety nine or less are four for ten dollars right now. So I took advantage of that this past weekend. Um, I showed that on that uh, uh, another video I did on Facebook. Um, I grabbed Two Worlds One and Two on Chris's suggestion. I finished up my Resistance collection on PS3 by grabbing Resistance 2 and Resistance 3. Um, and then I picked up, I actually just went yesterday and grabbed four more, uh, like Fight Night Round 3, um, Dead to Rights Retribution, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, and one more, what was it? Oh, is, is that yeah, like, like Smash like Brothers? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's Smash Brothers, okay. Yep. Um, oh, is it? Fuck. I, I've, not, I've not played it yet. Oh, okay. I just I grabbed it last night, haven't played it yet. Um, fuck, I can't remember what the last one was. Whatever the fourth one was. Oh, it's going to bug me. Oh, Enslaved, Odyssey to the West. I have that too. I think that, I bought it like five, six years ago, like mm-hmm. I had a Boxing Day sale. Still okay. never opened it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I've been watching a lot of like uh, hidden gem videos and uh, it's very, it's on like all the hidden gem list for the 360. And so I was like, yeah, I'll pick it up. I, you know, and Frank, I'll be honest, I owned it fucking years ago and then yeah. i ended up getting rid of it without playing it because that's what i do um okay. but i grabbed it again literally i paid two dollars and 25 cents for it because with my uh my discount at gamestop each game's only 225 if you buy four so it's super uh, cheap you know yeah, you can't can't go wrong with that. yeah um and i'm sure i could go on but I'll, I'll pretty much leave it there for now i've been using uh my free time for gaming essentially um and i've gotten back into wrestling again uh, so I've been watching through more WrestleMania events and the live pay-per-views that have been happening in the past few weeks, which I've enjoyed um, relatively. We did uh, we've got, we've got rid of our cable though, mm-hmm. um, finally, and so I don't have access to watch Raw or SmackDown anymore. And um, 
Yeah, and really the only time that getting rid of the cable is going to hurt is once once football season and hockey season pick up. But we'll see if I can access them in other ways because we're saving over 60 bucks a month by getting rid of cable and we tripled our internet speed, which is really important for the podcast, obviously, and for streaming yeah. that I intend to do. So, I mean, definitely, definitely worthwhile getting rid of cable because we barely ever use it except for some sports. So, fuck it. But... Uh, all honestly, right. Wait, honestly, all, the only yeah. time I'd use a TV would be for news or for mm-hmm. uh, live sports. And yeah. With NHL Game Center, I don't need that anymore. Right. Yeah. So you're good because your your team is an out of market team. Yes. I'm exactly. fucked with NHL Game Center because I can't watch Red Wing games living in Detroit, which is fucking but stupid. Couldn't you use the VPN and then pretend you're in a different market? So then you could. You know, that's a good question. I I honestly have not thought about that. I maybe I could. That's yeah. a good idea. I'll have to check that out. Or worse comes to worse. But uh, I have the I Fire can, Stick, so we'll see if I can just stream it that way. Yeah, I can probably find a, a feed, no problem. You know, if you go to yeah. Reddit, they they show links to um, the games before the games start. Oh, do they? So, so there's ways to work around it. Yeah, for sixty over sixty bucks a month. Yeah, it's worth it. Oh yeah. So awesome. So how about you? What have you been up to, man? You know what? Uh, so I'm pretty much the reverse of you. Uh, yeah. I've barely been yeah. gaming, but I've been watching a shit ton of movies. <laughs> because I kind of have to. Um, self-imposed, never doing that again. But uh, <laughs> while I was in Winnipeg, though, I did play a whole bunch of Miracart 8 Deluxe on the Switch. I had a blast with that uh, between uh, playing with my niece and nephew, who nice. can't say they're very much are video gamers because one, one, they're young, and two, well, they don't have a system. So okay. Uncle Mark brought his new shiny toys. Now right. that's something that they want for Christmas. You're welcome, <laughs> sis. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, now I've started playing online with uh, my buddy Paul and his wife, Jess, and their daughter as well. Uh, so we're having a blast doing that. I just, ever since I got back from Winnipeg, it's been pretty much, uh, work. I, my last days off had to deal with some old condo stuff because my condos finally rented out, gave the keys yesterday. So I should be good for a while. Awesome. Um, good. yeah. So it's been nothing but work, condo stuff, getting stuff ready here work again and now i got five days off in a row so i'm already Perfect. uh i think i'm already two movies in today <laughs> nice i really want to finish this challenge uh right but uh, yeah so i've barely played any video games to a point where like i was playing zelda uh, breath of the wild and i picked it up while i was getting my uh my car safety which is ugh, stupid so i moved 30 minutes from where i live but i crossed yeah. a river which borders a different province so of course now i had to resafe to my car get new plates get a new driver's license like 400 dollars later not too happy again mo- i moved Crazy. 30 minutes from where i used to live but hmm. whatever um so uh so yes yeah, so i brought my switch while i was getting my car safety and i couldn't remember how to play like i had i really <laughs> did sweet fuck all during my three hours three hours to get my car safety to add the canadian tire Oh my um, God. And yeah, it's, it's, it really sucked. I'm like, I think I have to start over again. And I kind of mm. don't want to because I'm not that yeah. far in, but I'm starting to lose my interest already. Oh, man. And, uh, I did see that Namco has like one of their Namco museums for the Switch now, and it's got Slaughterhouse in their recent, uh, release. Oh, okay. So I kind of want to get it, but it's $34 Canadian. Mm. I'm like, $34 to play Dig Dug and all right. other games. Yeah, that you can play. Not really worth it. That's why yeah. So the thing about the Switch is that their versions of games are fucking expensive. Like mm-hmm. I was expecting that Mario Odyssey would go down in price. It's still listed as ninety nine dollars Canadian right now. Wow. That's, that's 
blows me away. I'm really yeah, hoping insane. that that actually goes down. It's stupid. Um, but I do have Raving Rabbids, a Mario, uh, that crossover game coming out, uh, I believe, this month. So I've got that on pre-order. Then I got a, a whole bunch of uh, PS4 games on pre-order, which I still haven't played a lick of PS4 since Mad Max. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I got to get back to video gaming. I don't have a rhythm yet. I'm still, like, yeah. settling into this house and, you know. Right. So it's still... I'm still in 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 transition, let's say, you know. Yeah. But that being said, I did watch a ton of movies. I'm happy to report that I am over halfway done in my Cinefessions Alpha to do the Alpha Challenge. Um, I recently just finished uh, posting articles regarding my DVD run, uh, oh, yeah. finishing with uh, Zero Woman Red Handcuffs, which was fantastic. Um, so now I'm starting up a Netflix run. So I'm doing okay. uh, eight is on Netflix. Then I got another Blu-ray run, and then one more DVD run, and I'm done. So, hmm. so yeah. So I, I, I'm chugging. I'm, I'm chugging. Uh, I still have yeah. five months left. I think I'm going to make it no problem. But uh, yeah. So let's look at what I've watched in the last little while here. I'm not going to go through everything, just because we right, just don't have right. time, and I don't know where we last uh, uh, went off here. So um, I'm looking at uh, July here. Did I mention the movies I saw while I was uh, in Winnipeg? Probably not, eh? I no. don't believe so. No, because no, we were, you were, no, it was after Transformers and before. Um, 100. Episode. So, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, so um, going through this quick, now this seems like old news, but I saw Baby Driver, which oh, okay. uh, at uh, Edgar Wright film, which yeah. I liked, didn't love, but it deserves a few more viewings. Mm. Um, I love the action sequences, and then having the action sequences the beat of the song that's playing at the same time was kind of cool. I just thought it was kind of a little too cutesy mm-hmm. um, at points where I'm like, okay, this is kind of stupid. You know, when he's trying to woo the girl at the diner, I'm like, Ugh, it's a little too, I, I just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Hmm. Kind of Scott Pilgrimish, but I like the way that it was done in Scott Pilgrim. This here just seems kind of weird because it's more of a realistic setting and not a fantasy setting of Scott Pilgrim. So I didn't think it was as cute. And I kind of didn't like it as much. Um, I saw Spider-Man Homecoming, which I freaking loved. Good. Uh, I still have to fucking see that. What are uh. you waiting for? Put down the controller. You can <laughs> pause. Pause. We never, I don't know. We never go to the fucking theater, man. Oh, it just doesn't happen. I've gone to so many recently. Uh, yeah. Anyways, um, it's worth checking out, especially if it's still playing in IMAX 3D in your, in your area. Go see it in that IMAX 3D screen. It is beautiful. Um I'm not a big Spider-Man fan, but this by far is the best Spider-Man I've seen on film yet. And the way that it integrates itself with the uh, Cap 3 Civil War, holy fuck. The first like 10 minutes of the film, like I don't know, 10, maybe 5 minutes, it kind of builds its its roots into the, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it gives you goosebumps. It's really good. It's really, really good. I don't want to spoil the film, so I'm not going to say anything else. Um, but Michael Keaton... Man, he, you know, you know how he went away for a bit, and now he's back with a vengeance. Yeah, and I love seeing that guy on a big screen. You know, like I saw him twice now this year. He was in the Founder, that McDonald's movie earlier this year. Maybe it was a wait late last year. No, I think it was earlier this year, like in February, which is now on Blu-ray. It's, it deserves a pickup or at least a watch. Um, and now him as the Vulture in Spider-Man, so freaking good. Oh, that guy is just. He's so cool. He really is. I just, hmm. I would love to have uh, a beer with that guy. Um, my, my, my big surprise of this last month's worth of film 
Um, Baywatch. Oh, Baywatch okay. Baywatch was fucking good. Good. Um, it cost me three fifty, I think, at a cheap seats back in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh man, I I thought it was very funny. It was now it's very Fred Boy humor. It's very it's very blue humor. It's very dirty. It's lots of swearing, but it's funny. Like, is there a lot of nudity? None. There's no nudity. Really? Because I thought the fucking okay. No, no, that's no, weird. No, no, it's good though. No, all, all the women in this film are gorgeous, and, yeah. and so it's all cheesecake and fun. It's not dirty in a way of like nudity or raunchiness. It, it's well, okay. I take it back. There is some nudity, but you'll have to watch it to understand. I, I don't want to give it away. But, it says um, graphic nudity right here on the Motion Picture Association of America certification. I am so disappointed. It's male nudity, okay? Oh, no, lame. Yeah. yeah. Well, good it's for the, some. But it's Not funny. It's fucking funny. So it's, it's yeah, it, it, it's it's a laugh. I laughed out loud. Um, but like all the girls, like even, I don't have it on, on, on my IMDb right now, mm-hmm. but the girl who plays C.J. Parker, who was Pam Anderson's role back in the day on the TV show, who looks like her. And like one of the running gags, like every time she runs, she's in slow motion. <laughs> so like, and, and all these girls are beautiful. You know, it's, 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 it's cheesecake cleavage, but it's not, it's not erotic raunch, which I kind of liked a lot. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's, well, I mean, that's, I feel like that's true to the original. Yeah. Well, the, it was yeah. a TV show. So of course there's no need, yeah. but it, it's okay. all good fun, but it's not for kids though. It is, it is very vulgar and raunchy and funny. Like okay. the rock. Is playing The Rock. He's not playing Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson. He's playing The Rock as <laughs> Mitch. You know, like and Zac Efron is hilarious. Um, I think it's Alexandra Deradao. She was in uh, season oh, one she's of a uh, of True Detectives. She's not naked in this one, but she's naked in True Detectives. So if you want to see that, yeah. go ahead. But she's bouncy in this one. So I loved it. It was right up my alley. Though it was funny. I'm waiting for the Blu-ray. I'm gonna buy it day one. I'm gonna go to my nice Russian. Uh, Store. I'm gonna go. Hey, Alexi, can you uh, give me a copy of Baywatch? Oh, right away, Mark, and then I'll get it for cheap. I'm gonna come home, watch it. It'll be great on a big screen with a projector. Ha <laughs> ha! I cannot wait. So yeah, Baywatch is really good. Um, Despicable Me three. I was so disappointed with. Yeah, I my niece and nephew, and uh, it 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 was disappointing because it was a lot of Gru in this one because now it's Gru and his brother Drew. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Steve Carell doing that funny voice. And very little minion activity. So minions got their own movie, fair enough. But it's like the minions are on strike on this one, so it's more of a Drew and Gru film, and mm. it got aggravating after a while. Oh, okay. It got aggravating. Aggravating. No, I don't. Huh? Instead of I don't aggravating, get it. it's aggravating because it's all Gru. Oh god. Get 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 enough. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah so that was really <laughs> aggravating. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I I didn't like it as much. And plus, like the main bad guy, which I don't recall his name, uh, he's an eighties, he was an eighties child actor, and now he's a supervillain. So doing the eighties okay. tropes, and you know, he's dancing like Michael Jackson to avoid you know bad good guys and stuff like that. And I just I just didn't like it very much. Um, so let me just go quickly here. Oh. I was able to see Kickboxer Vengeance. Okay. Which is not a sequel to the original Kickboxer. It's more like a reimagination of Kickboxer, where 
the character of Durant, which was uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme in the first movie, he's now a coach in Thailand. And the uh, the main character, Alan Moussi, he is now playing... Um, he's now playing Van Damme's character in the first film where he's avenging the death of his brother by the hands of Tong Po, which is Dave Batista. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so it's actually not huh. bad. And if you're looking for nudity, there is some in there. Uh, there is this beautiful thigh model. Um, I can't recall her name at this time. I don't have it on my screen. But uh, she plays a police detective who falls for Alan Moosey's character. And uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a nice lovemaking scene. Mm. And uh, yeah, she's beautiful. So there's boobs there if you want to see boobs. Um, when when do we that, not want to see boobs? Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to look at stuff that I'm not. I'm actually reviewing on uh, Instagram, so I don't want to go through it since we don't have very much time here. Um, I did see the Bad Batch, which stars Jason Momoa as the head of a cannibalistic motorcycle gang. Aquaman, after, I like it. Yeah, after some sort of, I wouldn't say it's an apocalyptic thing, but more of a like a maybe downfall of society where Texas is walled off now, and you know you. People that are in jail, they get thrown into the wasteland type of thing, and they have time for themselves. Hmm. Um, it's got Kenner Reeves. Um, it's got uh, trying to think of other actors that I recognize. And tell oh, me the title again. Uh, the Bad Batch. It's a movie that was released by Neon, which is the former, or it's the head of uh, Elmo Drafthouse, Tim League, and somebody else. So it kind of took over what uh, Drafthouse Films was. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so there's no more Drafthouse movies, which kind of sucks. But right. I did uh, recently order on Amazon the last two that I'm missing for my collection. Oh, good. good. Yeah, so that's being shipped to the States. And whenever I go to the border to pick some stuff up, I'll have them. I was mixing Clown, mix, uh, missing Clown Forever and We Are X, which is a documentary on the punk band X. So after that, I'll have all the Drafthouse Alliance films, which is nice. awesome. Uh, so now I'm going to start uh, collecting all the uh, neon rated films because so far <laughs> so good. Um, the first one that they released this year was Colossal with Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis about uh, the uh, kaiju and the alcoholics. It just got released on Blu-ray this week. I've got mine ordered. It's coming in the mail. I should have it soon. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, uh, so The Bad Batch. Um the big thing I liked about it, I, I, it was kind of, it was a bit dull at times, but it was beautifully shot and the soundtrack was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And Kenner Reeves plays this kind of like a Zen, kind of like a savior of the people. Like he created a, a, a town out of nothing and, you know, people flock to his town in the wasteland and, you know, so he's like a, a figurehead. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, so I saw that. So I, I gave that about three and a half out of five stars. So it's, it's worth checking out, but you know, it's different. And yeah. it's slow at times, but I thought it was interesting. Cool. Um, I also saw The Beguiled, the latest uh, Sofia Coppola film. Okay. About, so it's during the Civil War. It's about three years into the Civil War. And there is a northern um, Civil War fighter. He, uh, he goes AWOL against his troop, but gets shot in the leg. And then this little girl finds him and brings him back to her boarding house that she's Staying at with all these other girls, it's like a ladies' house where you can like learn manners and cross stitching and all that stuff, you know, like in that time. Yeah. So it's got Nicole Kidman as the head of the house. Uh, Kirsten Dunst is in it. Um, Elle Fanning is in it. Um, and the uh, soldier is uh, Colin Farrell, which. Oh, okay. And I just knew, I just heard about the idea of the film. I didn't know who was in it. So like I'm sitting down with Melissa or watching him, she wanted to see it. And, uh, 
I'm like, oh, he's in it. Oh, fuck, she's in it. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And it was actually pretty interesting. Um, it's a bit of a thriller. It's more, it's, it's very, it's, it's a talkie, you know, there's not a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, war action, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a drama thrillerish film. Um, I really liked it. Uh, but I haven't seen a lot of Sofia Coppola's work, but I really enjoyed that one. And, uh, apart from that, the rest I really can't talk about, uh, just because I'll be, I'll be posting about it, uh, as I go along with my letters here. So, uh, but I did rewatch Full Metal Jacket last night at work with uh, two co-workers I'd never seen it before. And, uh, man, that movie does not, it, it doesn't go bad. It's such a good film. It holds up all these years later, you know? Like, hmm. have you seen Full Metal Jacket? Nope, I have not. Oh, man. That is, it's my favorite war movie ever. Yeah. But I saw that film way too young. I think <laughs> I might have been maybe eight or seven or eight years old. Oh, okay. That film scared me. Hmm. Like, Arlie Emery, as the, he plays a drill instructor during yeah. the Vietnam War, scared the shit out of me. Um, I believe it was, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, the guy who was in the special victims unit or probably criminal intent. And he's, he's in daredevil. Fuck. Um, I don't know. Ah, he is in men in black. He was, he was the warm in men in black. Too sexy. Oh, Vincent D'Onofrio. That's it. Oh, okay. I, I think it's his first film role and fuck. He just transforms himself in that film. It's mm. scary. Like I was watching it again last night and. I think I saw, I saw things in that viewing that I had probably not seen or noticed before in previous viewings. And even to this day, chilling. It's probably, I'll probably have to say it's my favorite Kubrick film of all time with the shining being a close second. But to me, shining is more of a Nicholson film than a Kubrick film, you know, but, uh, Full Metal Jacket is so good. I would highly recommend that to those who have never seen it before. Um, but with that being said, uh, I'm going to stop now. Like I probably watched 30 movies since wow. we last talked about media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to have to like them on the Instagram. So, uh, yeah, I'll, awesome. uh, I'll cap it at that for now. Sounds good. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So let's move over for, to our review for the week. Then we will okay. be talking, of course, about the Netflix original series glow. Season 1 from 2017. So if you have not seen this, there will be spoilers. Um, so if you have access to Netflix, definitely go ahead and watch that before you listen to our podcast because we will be spoiling everything, I'm sure. So that is your spoiler warning. Warning. So Glow Season 1, uh, created by Liz Flahive, Flahive, I don't know, and Carly Mensch, has an IMDb score of 8.1 out of the... Uh, uh, 11,289 votes. That's a lot since I actually wrote that number down a lot more. (laughs) Um, It has a Metacritic score of 81, a 95% tomato meter score, and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 88%. And I did not see anything about budget or gross or anything like that, uh, which makes sense. It's a TV series, so... Well, a Netflix series. Yeah, there wouldn't be any gross, but uh, Netflix apparently they're twenty billion in debt right now. I I didn't hear a number, but I heard that they were in debt, and I wasn't. I never ended up looking for the articles to see how much twenty. But that's what it was. That makes me nervous. 
20 billion. Yeah. Like, if it would help them to increase it a few bucks a month, I would do that. Like, I'd go, I'd pay, I think the max I'd pay for Netflix would probably be like 15 bucks a month because I use it so much. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, they, you know, if they have to increase it, they'll only increase like two, three bucks. Right. And I haven't heard anything about them increasing it, but if it would help save the platform, because Mm. I'm getting so much decent material, just TV shows and movies, a lot of indie dramas I would have never put my eyes on probably because yeah. of the challenge <laughs> that right. I'm watching them. But man, I'm like a lot of people really bitch about Netflix, but I fucking love it. I really do. Yeah. Um, my Bridget uses it literally all day when we're at home. So we definitely have to keep it, but yeah. So glow, obviously we are both wrestling fans. Um, yes. I, I wanted to rewatch it, but I never got around to it. Um, I watched the, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling documentary. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen that? I did a few years okay. ago. Okay. Yeah, me yeah. too. Me too. So my, frankly, my memory of it is pretty <laughs> so, little, but. I got a question for you then. Yeah. What is your earliest memory of Glow? Glo- mm, I, I don't. Literally the documentary was, I never watched that was at all. Um, I've heard of it, but I honestly, I don't know how I heard of it. I think just through my wrestling research through okay. the, out the past. Okay. Um, and so my real first look into Glow was with the documentary. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I remember as a kid, I was at a sleepover at my cousin Philip's place. Okay. And Glow would, well, I didn't really know Glow at all, mm-hmm. but I saw in the TV guide, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, and it played <laughs> at midnight. Okay. So me and my cousin, who's a, maybe a year or two older than me, mm-hmm. he, we, he had a TV in his room. So his uh, his mom, my aunt, sent us to bed, mm-hmm. and then we stayed up because we're thinking, "Holy crap, girls are wrestling! It's after midnight. We'll see boobies." Right. <laughs> Again, this is before the internet. This is before you know, right? Kind of right. got like you know, HB and all that stuff. This is like, this is a long time ago. So we're like, "Oh, we're gonna see booby ladies! I can't wait!" Right. <laughs> Obviously, there's no boobies in Glow. Right. Unless there's the odd nip slip that didn't get into that. <laughs> but that is my first, <laughs> my earliest memory of Glow is okay. getting excited to see naked girls wrestle on the regular TV at midnight. <laughs> it's, did it's you end up watching dumb. it at all or did you fall asleep beforehand or what? I remember watching part of it. Now, okay. what did I watch? I That I don't recall, but I just remember yeah. the anticipation of watching this gotcha. woman in tights wrestling each other. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's something that I don't think I can get replicated today with right. like today's youth at this age because they're watching anal off their dad's iPad at yeah. four years old. But exactly. back then, oh boy, you know, this is like, we didn't even have a VCR. Did we have a VCR at that point? Yes, we did. But, you know, I, I was too young to use and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's my earliest uh, memory of Glow is like, oh, we're going to see girls. They might be naked. Oh, it's right. so good. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I even got disappointed not, by not even seeing Naked Girls. Mm-hmm. I, I think that just, I think I fell asleep while watching the show, not because <laughs> of the product, but just because of the time zone, you know? Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, that's, for some reason, that's, that pops up every time <laughs> I was watching the show. I'm like, oh, I see boobies. And the TV show, you do. So, yay. Yeah, you sure as hell do. It only took 30, 37 years or 25 years for me to see uh, boobies on Glow, but I finally right. did it, Mom. Mom, I finally did it. <laughs> oh, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so, um, and I think what's interesting is I was listening or doing, you know, just doing some reading, and this is 
this take on glow is not realistic by any stretch. Um, characters are invented. A lot of the, the wrestlers they present are actually like, uh, you know, caricatures. Yeah, yeah, mixtures of multiple people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, oh, no. this is not the real life story of Glow. No, this is a dramatization. Yeah. Uh, or it's a dramedy of, of Glow. Exactly. So it's a dramedy using Glow as a backdrop for their character arcs. So, right. Yeah, yeah. Not, don't expect a reproduction of what you, uh, what would have been aired 25 years ago. Right. Yeah. Or the, the, the creation of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so obviously as I was going through, I just took notes through every episode, like, you know, we would always do. Um, and so, uh, going through here, uh, immediately right from the opening, um, credits, right from the, op- from the, the, the opening theme video, mm-hmm. you just get this, this feeling of the eighties, um, with these neon lights, um, the, uh, you know, I am the warrior playing in the background. Um, it's just a great mood setter and we haven't even met a single character yet. So I thought that was a really good way to start. And that's something that obviously they play on huge as yes. they go throughout this entire series. And um, I felt the same way with the opening of Glow that I did with the opening of Stranger Things. It yes. put me in the right frame of mind or mm-hmm. enough audio cues for the era itself. Right. So like I felt transported back to that time. Yeah. Like it's I funny. Did yeah, it's funny you mentioned Stranger Things because Bridget um, decided she wanted to watch through it again because she d- didn't see the first couple episodes or whatever. Okay. And it's just instantly, <laughs> like you say, instantly when that when those credits start, it's like, oh, shit, this is, this is so great. And then I remembered, oh, that's right. I have the soundtrack downstairs. So, of course, I was down there listening to that later on. But It's, it's something I want to revisit before we do season two. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I okay, like I just – the characters here are fucking fantastic. So Allison Brie is our lead, right, with Ruth Wilder. And <laughs> what struck me is that I always hear people talking about Allison Brie, and I thought I knew who Allison Brie was. As I was watching this, I realized I did not I do not know who Allison Brie is. And I had to look it up and I was like, holy shit, she was the assistant to Sydney in Scream Four. Like that's that's how I yeah. know her. It is amazing yeah. how she can transform her look. From movie to movie, from scene to scene, like in here, she just looks like, uh, you know, just that girl next door kind of she's, f- almost frumpy, you know, yeah, like she, she's very dumpy in this, in yes. this, uh, in this portrayal of uh, Ruth. Right. Um, like I, I find her, I think she's, she's gorgeous. Like from, mm-hmm. from, you know, again, from Scream 4 to Mad Men, which okay. there's a Mad Men connection uh, on the show, which I found interesting. Mm. Uh, also to uh, Community, which I thought she was hilarious in Community. So she's uh, she doesn't play the same note every time, and that's what I love about her. Yeah, she's, um, she's great. I thought as a main character, this is a character I want to follow because she's so flawed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, she has absolutely. such a high opinion of herself, and she's right. she's very I would say maybe not high opinion, but she's she's very confident in her thespian skills yes yeah she just can't get a break and makes and she's very human she just makes bad decisions mm-hmm. you know and right. uh, as we'll go along we'll find out why but right. uh yeah i i thought she was great now somebody i was not familiar with at all was betty gilpin who plays debbie De- i guess yeah. her her uh i guess nemesis in this one you know right. but yeah. who technically ruth is the bad guy yeah you know exactly um I don't know Betty Gilpin, but apparently she's she's done a lot of TV. She's on okay. Nurse Betty, which I bought the first few seasons of that, but I haven't watched it yet. She's on Masters of Sex, which I want to see. 
Um, but like apart from that, uh, nothing that really that would probably cross my path. Apparently, she was in Fringe for like an episode back in like a decade ago. But uh, mm. I like her. I thought she was really good as well. Yeah, I thought she was great. She plays that um, that prima donna very well when she needs to. Yeah, see, then I that's like the that. thing. Like you know, Betty, she's very high on herself, but mm-hmm. she hasn't been able to really play use her acting chops. And then Allison, right. you know, she she's she's down on herself, but she's very confident in her acting chops. She just hasn't had a break that Debbie's had, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic. I like a lot. They're Absolutely. very yin and yang, right? Yep. It, yeah. Absolutely. Perfectly or uh, intentionally so. Yeah. Uh, I love that the very first line of the of the series is um, Ruth is is reading, you know, quote unquote, accidentally reading the guy's part, which is so wonderful. <laughs> and uh, it's there are two kinds of people in this world, good guys and bad guys. And I mean, how perfectly fitting for a, a pro wrestling related television program. I just love that about it. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that she reads the wrong, wrong part. And obviously you find out she did it on purpose. Um, because the fucking roles that women were getting back, even, even now, but, you know, even more so back in, you know, the eighties, the roles that women are getting, you know, shit's the secretary, you know, it's yeah. like bullshit roles. And I think that's so important to why these women grasp on to this glow concept so hard because it's something meaty. It's something more relevant, at least, or, 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 more important, at least. Yeah. Stronger. I, I, I think for TV back in the day, which again, television back then was not very good. Right. If you revisit stuff that you thought you liked as a kid, it's mm-hmm. pretty horrendous to watch now. Right. Um, I, I found, I, I think TV has really changed when HBO started doing scripted dramas. Mm-hmm. That's where I found things started rolling in a different way for, for just one, having good television and two women having meteor parts other than right. just the girlfriend, the wife, the mistress, you know, obviously you do need those, those parts, but it just look like Sopranos or Carmela. Sure. She plays, you know, the, uh, she, the mobster's wife, but fuck, she's got layers and layers upon her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not one dimensional anymore. Like mm-hmm. I find for, for women, at least in my opinion, I'm no, I, I feel that TV has really given them so much more to chew on. Yeah. Then, you know, again, what, during the era that this is being portrayed at, you know, right. uh, it's, yeah, it's, it, I, I find TV, it's, it's pretty equal, equal footing. Or maybe oh, I'm overstepping my bounds, but I, I, I feel that, you know, a lot like, of people would say that, that, that television's producing, you know, more gold than, than the film is at this point. Well, a lot of movie stars, they're going back to TV now because that's right. where all the good writing's happening, mm-hmm. right? You know, like, just like, <laughs> Can you name me a bad HBO show? I don't have HBO, so no, I can't. But Okay, <laughs> I and I'm trying to think it. back. You know, like, I know that they've had maybe some some slip-ups here and there. But, like, yeah. look, like, Deep is strong. Um, you know, like, yeah, Deadwood, yeah, Sopranos. Oz is fucking awesome. Even right now, I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard nothing but good things about Ballers. Um, uh, Silicon Valley, I've seen. Actually, I watched Silicon Valley while I was in the Dominican Republic for the first time. Oh, that okay. made me crack up. Mm-hmm. Um, y- yeah, and just even with like Showtime, all their scripted stuff, you know, Ray Donovan, right. and you know, um, what's the one with Donald Cheadle? Um, House of Lies, I think it's called. Anyways, okay. and, then, and then with Cinema, uh, Cinemax, well, we'll go Cinemax, but with Netflix, you know, now you've got like 
Yeah, Stranger uh, Things, Glow. Yeah, I mean, Stranger Things, yeah, Glow, Sense8. and you've got Orange is New Black, and yeah, yeah right. so there's. I find, you know, maybe again, I'm not, I'm not talking pay wise because that's a whole different mm-hmm. conversation, which I am not one to. I can comment from from the from the outside looking in, right? But right. I, I just feel that there's a lot, there's a lot of really strong female parts now, and back then there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the appearance I get as well, right? Yeah. Again, this is actually from the creators of uh, Orange is the New Black. And so you have tons of, you know, it's a female prison in Orange is the New Black. And this is all women here, too. So, I mean, that's that's awesome to see. Oh, sure. And like, and this is a female-centric show that I loved. I haven't watched Orange is the New Black yet just because I haven't I have gotten either. there yet. Right. Um, I, I want to. And I know Melissa, she fucking, well, I think she likes it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, for, for Glow, you know, sure, it, it, it's a female-driven show that anybody can like. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. Anyways, end yeah. rent. <laughs> I wrote down, oh shit, Marcus instantly turned on because we have 80s aerobic gear and girls. Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, you have no idea. Yeah, that was awesome. That's what I love about the 80s because it's stuff that I could not grasp at my age, but mm-hmm. it turned me on so much. I loved the 80s aesthetic. <laughs> Goddamn. Oh, yeah. Th- this was great. I was in my Nirvana. Right. Absolutely. And so as much as I love um, Ruth and Debbie, I love Sam equally as much. Like, he is just such a flawed but fucking fascinating character. And he's fascinating right from the start. I mean, his intro, one of his first lines is, okay, I said I'd do anything, so here we fucking are. (laughs) Like, oh, he's just fantastic. I don't listen to Mark Maron's podcast, but I've seen some of his stand-up a long time ago. Oh, that's who that is. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's Mark Maron. Um, He... Oh man, he is one. Of, he is one of the brightest spots on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do find sometimes some of the female characters, because there's so many, they kind of get pushed to the wayside a bit. Yeah, you know, they've all got their their storylines, but some of them are pretty weak just because it's an ensemble cast. Right. It's but definitely I, Ruth and Debbie's story. I mean, totally. Cherry has a, a pretty big part, and then it's really you know Sam. Right. Um. I even chair. I think I, it's pretty much Ruth, Debbie, and Sam. It's yes, their yeah. story, you know. And I loved him. I like he made me laugh more than anything else in the show. Yeah. Oh, um, I absolutely did. I have. I don't have a bad thing to like. Okay, this show is about flawed people. Shit, mm-hmm. the world is is full of flawed people. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, right? Right. Uh, but fuck, Marin was so goddamn good in this. Like, this is a show that. I don't know if it's going to get a Blu-ray release or not because very few oh, Netflix I'm shows sure do. Oh, it will. Orange is the I, New Black did at least. Oh, Blu-ray. I don't know. I guess Orange is the New Black only hit DVD, didn't it? Oh, I don't. I have no idea. But okay. it got a release. I know some of the Marvel stuff has had releases, but not all of them yet. Okay. Um, but like this is one show that I would rewatch again, like yeah. like Stranger Things. Like I don't watch TV shows over and over again just mm-hmm. because there's just too much out there. I need to. Touch everything, you know? Right. Um, but this, I can see myself re- revisiting because it's so goddamn funny. And he is one of those, his rants and his outbursts and oh just, God, yeah. fuck, hilarious. I just, uh, Mark Mary is fucking awesome in this. I wrote down so many lines as I was watching this series. Like, okay. I can't possibly go through them all. I would just be here repeating the entire fucking show. But uh, I think the dialogue is so strong and so just, uh, well written and well delivered yeah. that it really sticks with me yeah yeah no it, it's uh, again from the creative orange and new black which is a hit right 
for some reason, I thought it was from the creator of Weed. I don't know why oh, I thought that. Okay. Um, so this whole time, um, I, I was thinking of a different uh, creator. Mm. But again, very similar though. You know. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Weeds or not. I saw I think no, one I or two not. seasons left. But again, very strong female centric cast, and uh, it's again about flawed people. So you know, but and th- that's what we want to watch. We want to watch flawed stuff. You know, right? Like uh, look at uh, look at Breaking Bad. It's a good flaws, and we talk about it week to week. You know, right? Anyways, continue. Um, I really, I don't, frankly, I don't remember what it is at this point, but I love, because every interaction they had was just fucking fantastic. But I wrote down Sam and Ruth's first interaction is fucking fire. Um, I was in love with those two as an on-screen pairing from the beginning, from their very first interaction. I think it's, he's going through like the resumes and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, it's fucking funny. She's just such, you know, a real actor and it just cracks my shit up every fucking time. And that's power to Alison Brie. Where, mm-hmm. you know, she's so frumpy on this show. Right. That him, uh, well, or pardon me, uh, Sam and Ruth, them bickering to a point where, like, she doesn't get a gimmick, you know, <laughs> until she actually just does it herself. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, like, he doesn't give her a, a fucking scrap from the dinner table. <laughs> right. And she, she still makes something out of it, you know? Yeah. That's what I love about her character. And I just love their dynamic. Yeah. And I love that her and um, Carmen, right? The big uh, Machu Picchu, like yes. they are some of the better wrestlers because they are going above and beyond, you know? So it just shows her work ethic and it just shows that her drive to do this is so genuine and, and, and there and real. So. And, and did you that. pop a bit when you saw Carmen's dad in the show? Oh, absolutely. There's the so many from, awesome ones. Because it was the guy from Harbinger Down. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, ah, that's that the know. only good actor apart from Lance Henriksen in Harbinger right. Down. The exactly. only character I actually liked <laughs> in the yeah. movie. And he's her dad in this one. I love all the different cameos with the pro wrestler. Like John Morrison starts off as the trainer. Um, oh. We get uh, Alex Riley. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I made a comment to myself. Because, oh, shit, sorry. There's a video playing on this website I'm on. Um, <laughs> it's a commercial. Uh, what made me laugh is that I'm like, I've never seen Alex Riley get over so hard. I, that, yeah, I was reading, I was reading people were joking about that, too. I was going to tweet about it, but then I'm like, ah, maybe he'll see it, and it'll make him sad. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then I love Mr. Monopoly. It's fucking Joey Ryan. I'm like, ah, I, I don't know for him. who that is. I knew – I saw the name because I Googled it, but I don't know who that is. Oh, dude. You – YouTube Joey Ryan, he, he does like a sleazy wrestler gimmick. Okay. Where he comes out like, you know, he's got the mustache sometimes. He's got the beard. He's got a hairy chest. He comes yeah. out with like shades on and like a lollipop. He gives it to a girl on, in the crowd. Okay. He's like Mr. Sleaze. He brings Sleazy back to wrestling. So he's just and, an indie wrestler, right? Oh, well, he was on the, he was on Impact. And uh, okay. I, I think he's in Lucha Underground. I'm just oh, not okay. there yet. Gotcha. But his big gimmick is that, you know, because he's Mr. Sleaze and stuff like that, that his penis is really powerful. Oh, So okay. he'll do tests of strength. With the wrestler, where the wrestler grabs his dick, and then he starts flexing, and like it's like his penis is like beating him at a test of strength against the you hand. Know what I think I saw, like somebody posted a thing on Twitter. It was like a a gif of it or whatever, like a a minute long video showing that. Yes, and it had to be that guy. Yes, I can't yeah, he did in Japan, it. and it just yeah, social it was, media yeah. just took it over. Yeah, he's okay. awesome. I've seen him wrestle once when he came to Ottawa. Oh shit, like a year or so ago. Yeah. And so then when I saw him on this, I'm like, oh, it's Joey Ryan. And then Mr. Monopoly, what a great gimmick, you know? That's funny. But yeah, uh, on top of that, we also get, um, 
Well, uh, Brooke Hogan was in it. I was yeah. trying to find out who that was. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, she, looked, she does not oh, look good. No, she does she not does look good. Not at all. No, at all. What's up? Ah, oh, I fuck. I wrote down his name, but it's down further. I don't remember the guy. Yeah. Ah, fuck. He was in uh, WWE. They dropped him. He went to TNA for a bit. Ah, oh, <laughs> shit. He was a uh, roster. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mach- Machu Picchu's brother. Oh, it's a Cologne. Uh, Carlos. Uh, well, Carlos Edwin, that's his oh, real name. Oh, right. Him. Which, oh, but, and also, uh, yeah, that was uh, the Funkadelics, right? That was um, – so that yes. I guess his name is, is Titus or Tyrus? Tyrus, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yeah. that's what it was. But the biggest one, it's the Welfare Queen. That's that's Awesome Kong from TNA. Well, okay, so I kept or looking – Karma. She was Karma in the WWE for a bit. But yeah. she got uh, – she and she got released because apparently she got pregnant or something or I, I don't know the whole story. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's Kong. fascinating because I was looking through like the list of wrestlers in the show and she was listed. And I was like, oh, I don't remember seeing her. Like that she wow, what an actress! Like mm-hmm. I had no idea that was her. Just a completely different personality, completely different person. Didn't yeah. look or wow, I did awesome. not know I'm, that was her. Yeah, I'm so happy she was on the show because she I was just wanted. Great. I just, people that get sometimes just bad luck in wrestling and shit, yeah, you know? And like, exactly. she had a pretty good run in TNA, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's TNA. Like, right. You know, they force, like, they paper the, the, the arena so that it looks full. You know? Right. I, I, I kind of, it, it kind of sucks. I'm hoping this whole Jeff Jarrett Global Wrestling League thing really yeah. takes off, you know, because wrestlers need another venue apart from like WWE. Yeah, absolutely. Wrestling. Anyways, that's it's a whole different story. But yeah, that, that that's uh, Karma, aka Awesome Kong, uh, as uh, as the Wolfer okay. Queen. Which that's awesome. As much as I don't like the gimmick so much, um, right? I thought she was awesome on yeah. uh, on the show. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, I'm yeah. genuinely shocked that she was that solid of an actress. Wow. Fuck yeah. Well, you have to be if you're a wrestler. <laughs> that's a joke, right? Well, no. I think though <laughs> now now everything's so fucking. It's like oh, promo, man. promo, promo. It's like wrestling is almost an afterthought, and you have to be a good like fuck. I popped for Alex Riley. I never did. You know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he fucked that blonde. Yay. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's like I was high fiving myself. It was weird. <laughs> oh man. Um I love Ruth Ruth says, What's our backstory? What's motivating this? <laughs> it's, it's such a douchey actor thing to say. And I can say that because you know, I've spent so much time in that world. And it's okay. just I fucking love that. Like, man. Me and my friends, we would say shit like that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just what you know we would do, and it's just so goofy and funny when you're an outsider looking in. Well, exactly. You know, like this is a casting call for a TV show, not knowing it's a wrestling. Business. Right. You yeah. Know? So, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's funny because you don't know any better. Hmm. Um. <laughs> oh, there's just like so so many little things. Like Ruth, she breaks out into a fucking scene in the middle of the ring. Like the first time she gets in there, it's just uh, it's so good. Um, like and then these random ass kids they come and like steal her purse and or drop her food on the floor. It's like that was so fucking random. You know, like, you, you feel bad for her, mm-hmm. and 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 that's the thing I didn't notice or I didn't maybe realize at first. You know, when she's hooking up with that guy, yeah, who be who we find out is Debbie's husband, right? At first, I'm thinking. Does she know that's Debbie's husband? Oh. But but then you find out that it's Debbie's husband. Like, oh, how did she not know? Right. Yeah, for, for some reason, I, I gave her the benefit of the doubt at first. But I'm like, well, no, she's one of your best friends. 
how how do you not know that's that's her husband? You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I, I guess I had a brain fart when I was watching it at first because uh, yeah. I'm like, maybe she doesn't know. Because why would she do that? She seems like a nice person, you know? Right. But okay. I, guess I see. I guess I gets... see what you're saying because like I feel like the whole setup is, and I think they do it really well because you get a swerve, you know, in the first fucking episode. So. You know, um, the the dude, this random, and I even wrote down. I was like, I I don't know this fucking random ass guy is annoying that she's fucking, but I I'm happy that she's you know going wild here. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And so they introduce this character as just some random motherfucker, and th- and obviously he's cheating on his wife because of the conversation that they have. Yeah. But then she fucks him again, and it's like, oh okay. And then they're sitting, she's sitting in the car with Debbie, and Debbie she looks down and she looks at the the um. Uh, key ring or whatever the hell it was that had the picture of them together and it's like holy shit she's fucking her best friend's husband yeah it's like whoa so it does make her a bit of a piece of shit maybe the one yeah. time you know they're drunk I'm not right. condoning it but whatever no but then exactly. the second time like ah I mean, you know better you know yeah cause it's and, and what I find funny is that that guy, which I don't have his name for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, pardon me. It's uh, Rich Rich Sommer. Well, he's in Mad Men. So, like, oh, he's really? a former, like, uh, castmate of hers from Mad Men. So, I think it's funny that they're on the show now and that they're fucking. Okay. And that the show did bring me uh, a holy grail where we actually saw Alison Brie topless. Mm-hmm. I don't recall her being topless in anything else before. Um, I've yeah. always enjoyed her with clothes on now to see her with clothes off i was like ah. right. and actually i rose a foot off the ground <laughs> i don't know what was holding me in the air maybe it was the density of the air molecules mm-hmm. i don't know for sure could be but uh yeah i was i was yeah it was awesome yeah. <laughs> it was fucking awesome oh, i love the show man. anyways continue. okay um Ruth always has a fucking southern accent when she starts acting. I'm like, Ruth, stop. What are you doing? Oh, uh, man. She loves accents. Because right. she wants, I don't think she wants to be herself. Mm-hmm. She's more comfortable than other people's skin. Exactly. Um, I love the end of this episode is so fucking fantastic. So Debbie comes storming in and is like, you know, what the fuck are you? What did you do? Like, you know, you fucked up. And then she like slaps her. 100% deserved. And... um then the girl and like they're just going at it and the girls on the outside are like is this real and the one girl says who the fuck cares like <laughs> so true like that's what they're probably thinking like is this just ruth being ruth and putting on a scene like what's happening yeah and then we see then we see sam's coke inspired vision the of them two in costume and wrestling you what? know and it's just fucking awesome i'm like oh i i, I love this shit so much i cannot wait for the rest of this series and, oh. and, and the only thing now is that wrestling has evolved so much in the last twenty some years. Oh yeah, their match would be boring as fuck today. Right. But back then, holy shit, it's awesome because yeah. women's wrestling was women nothing. It was a sideshow thing, you know. Exactly. It was like it was like little people wrestling, to be honest. Right. Like if you look at WWE back in those days, can you name me more than three wrestlers that were female on the card? Uh, yeah. Not not I, no not easily. I can name you maybe two. Yeah. Um, so it really wasn't a thing. That's why I mean, the Fabulous fucking was woman champ for sixty some years is because there's there's no there was no division. You just right. put the belt on you, go tour. You know. Yeah. At WrestleMania one, the women's champion fought a fucking like music star. I forget who the hell it was now, but it like it's yeah, it's not. It was nothing back then. No, it, it really wasn't. Um. So this start of episode two, it, it clearly sets up the fact that Ruth is kind of like uh, this pariah of the group. 
Um, and so she's going to fall naturally into this heel role that I, you know, felt that she was going toward. And that was really, yeah. uh, well developed, I guess. Um, again, there's just so many lines and they're all taken out of context, but, <laughs> um, now who doesn't trust a man, a man with a mustache full of Coke? Another great <laughs> one. I'll trust him. Right. <laughs> um, what I, oh, I, I kept forgetting her name. Through the whole thing, but the uh, the girl who was the asshole with the abortion scene with the ketchup, who Cherry really hated. I can't remember her name. Oh, um, she was like the one who drove the limousine. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I still liked her. Was that Rebecca Johnson? No, Kate Nash, Rhonda, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. No, is that Rhonda? Shit, I don't know anymore. I yes, think you're it's right. Yeah, Rhonda. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. It's no Rhonda was. Uh, Rhonda was well. No, that's she's there. Or was Rhonda the original? It's Kate Nash. The no, Kate Nash is the redhead. So which one's Rhonda? Okay, yeah, Kate Nash is the one that is Britannica. Oh, that's Botanica. Okay. Yeah. So Rhonda was. Oh, Jackie Tone. Okay. Yes, Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just like I hated her in the beginning, and frankly, I don't love her by the end. But I mean, she played her character great. We were supposed to dislike her. Um, I really thought that she was kind of going to get knocked out. I didn't think uh, like taken off the show or fired from glow. I didn't think she would stick around uh, just the way that they were, that she was being treated and everything that was going on. But um, yeah, she was a bit of a party girl. I'm I'm surprised she wasn't kicked out, mm -hmm. but you know, like, like all good shows, you you learn the ropes and you tend to like what you do. And, you know, like obviously the first few episodes are kind of, kind of, rough a bit just because you you want to be you want to get to the wrestling action mm-hmm. but you know this is a wrestling tv show about a show so right it's got to get there and that's like i think i think melissa finished the show because she's like nothing actually happened and i i kind of beg to differ i i thought oh, that was a pretty good too. story arc but yeah. i think she wants to see more of the wrestling and oh. well that's not what the show is about it's like no. it's about uh, no. to get there but the show is more about the road to being ready to shoot a show, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, so, and the other thing I love about Sam is that he appears at first glance to just be this kind of, you know, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Has been almost this cracked out has been. Yeah. But in reality, he shows glimpses of being a really smart guy and a brilliant director at, at other points. Um, and the first time I realized that he was smarter than he appeared was when he started playing to Debbie's desire to play that stronger female character. I thought, thought that was an intelligent and I thought, yeah, this is going to work because she wants to. She doesn't want to be the secretary or the, the girl in the wheelchair or whatever she was playing on the on Paradise, whatever the fucking soap opera was. Paradise Cove? Is that it? Paradise Cove. That? That's what I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I just I, – he's such a fucking good character. And I'm, we're going to say that a hundred more times throughout this, but oh, – yeah, I know. He, he, um, I thought there was, I thought there would be more played up about that miscarriage joke. And I think that's kind of why I thought that she was going to get like tossed out. Um, but instead Sam kind of uses it to inspire this next set of creativity, which is interesting. Um, and, uh, I don't know. And, and, and then, uh, he says, you know, what kind of home record would do that? Ruth, this doesn't seem like much of a stretch for, stretch for you. Like, I just so great. This is how real pro wrestlers, successful pro wrestlers, are made using the shit that's real, right? Using who they really are and going, exactly. around, you know, exaggerating and, it. And that's the thing. Like their their relationship gets pretty 
intimate without mm-hmm. being intimate. So by yes. the end, I really thought they would get together. I know. I, I think... I think it's stronger that they didn't. Oh, yes. Because I find shows kind of kind of jump the shark when two leads get, get real together. Right. You know, I, I you think, I think X-Files think, uh, oh, fuck, think Castle. That show sucked after that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Fringe, not so much. Anyways, but, uh, yeah, but I, I felt it was leading towards that until the final scene of the final episode, which we'll get to. Um, but I, I found that there, it was more of a working relationship and I think more of an admiration, mm-hmm. um, which I was hoping would become a, a romantic uh, aspect, I, which never really happened. So I think it still potentially could throughout the seasons, depending on how far the series goes. Oh, sure. Again, but. this is 10, 30 minute episodes. So there's exactly. so much more that they can explore. So. Right. Right. Um, and at this point, at the end of season episode, I mean, I'm just fucking all in. Um, I had planned on watching like one episode. I think I watched three the first night, maybe like it was just, it, it hooked me and well, didn't let so go. Quick. Yeah, and and that's a a big, big negativity on uh, what I've seen on Facebook is that the show is so short. It's ten episodes, thirty minutes. People want more, so I don't know if they've greenlit a second season yet, but uh, there's a demand for it. Right, absolutely. Um, so in episode three, we find out that Sam's not only the director, but he's also going to create the script. And uh, I couldn't wait for the storylines that he came up with. And he delivered later on, which we'll talk a little bit about. <laughs> but Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, right now. Okay, good. Yeah, so uh, Ruth, I'm going to need you to read stage directions. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and then she starts with her acting voice. I'm like, oh, my God. God fucking bless this woman. Oh, is God. the Rodney Dangerfield of the cast. Yeah. Like her she, character gets no respect. Right, right. I just feel like I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like um Allison Brie had to go through acting school. Like she had to go to a university and do acting. Cause I mean, this is like the shit that like we would do. It's like, oh, you're okay, we're playing, we're doing stage directions. Okay. I'm gonna be the best damn read reader of stage directions you'll ever see. Like it's just <laughs> shit that we did in college. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's just the way it is. Like, I don't know if she did, I have no idea, but it just feels like she did if she didn't. I'll tell you that. But uh it's it's fucking fantastic. Um then we also get to meet Bash. And oh my God, I loved Bash. At first, I was like, wait, this guy's like borderline douche. And he is. He is the entire time. Sure. But I still fucking loved him. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't uh, I wasn't keen on having another guy on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he ended up to be pretty awesome. Yeah. He like, really he, is. He, he, he looked douchey. And yeah. he is douchey. Right. But he actually cares about the show. Exactly. It's, his, it's literally his passion project. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another great line. In walks Kuntar, a vision of hideousness. <laughs> and then he turns over and looks at Ruth. Yeah, you do it. So, man, he's such a prick. And yet I still fucking love him. Oh, oh yeah. The, 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 he, he's so broken. How can you not love the guy? Exactly. And especially us being horror fans. Right. He's a horror director of shitty horror films. I know. I want to I, see his movies so badly. I would probably be a fan of his films. Exactly. I, that's just who I am because I'm broken too. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I really thought that Brittany Young as Carmen Machu Picchu, I thought she was really, really well done. I thought she did a great job with it. She's really sweet, yeah. genuine, seemed like a uh, just a, a really nice person to be around. Um, and the way she treated Ruth 
at this important moment, I thought was really, uh, really powerful. Well, and, and that's the thing. The way I see it is that Ruth was the outcast. Mm-hmm. And I find her character has probably always been the outcast. Right. Or she's been the girl in the, you know, fa- household of all men. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And, uh, you know, she doesn't like being left out because she's been right. left out in the wrestling uh, in the wrestling business because of her brothers and her dad. Mm-hmm. So she puts Ruth under her wing, and uh, yeah, they, they they share a common a common trait, right? And it works really well. Yeah. Um. So, for, so you get Bash more Bash and his fucking giant cell phone, which you love, and the fact that he travels in a helicopter because mm-hmm. of course he does. And then we get to his house, and it's like, oh my god. God bless 80s excess. You get there are drugs in the fucking robot. I mean, this is this is fantastic. I wish I was in my twenties in the eighties and rich, so I could just be coked up all the time and eat Lucky Charms with toothpicks. Like that's that's all I want out of life. Like that's fucking awesome. You can do that now. And you can have like drugs in a sex robot. Right. I know I'm just missing the rich part, but otherwise I'd be there. You don't have to be rich. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I love that they're staring at the piece of artwork. They're literally just staring at a neon light, like that says neon. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is great. And he, and then ba- Bash says, "So bitching." I was like, "Yes." They just said, "So bitching." I fucking love it. <laughs> oh, it cracked my shit up. Because you have to think too. This is in the. This is like eighty five, eighty six. So this is mm-hmm. in the era of Miami Vice. Right. And Bash is Crockett. You know, <laughs> with drugs. Oh man, yeah, he's just a giant man child. Mm-hmm. He's great. Um, and then uh, a scene I absolutely love is when they are at Bash's house and they go to the costumes and they're trying to like come up with their personas. Oh, I, I thought that was a fantastic scene. Just so great. Um, mixed with that, we have Debbie's character and her, the way she plays this downward spiral, I thought was just brilliant. She brings gravitas to this entire production right she's the gravity of the film of the series rather and she does it so fucking well because she's like you know i can only last 20 minutes or whatever and she's after 20 minutes and she before she you know before she realizes that things are fucked up well, again that's it's just thing, amazing you know like she she's the the face of of, of this show mm-hmm. you know but we as a viewer we kind of she, she's the heel because we want her and Ruth to be together or to be friends, even though Ruth did a bad thing. And you know, the fact that we like Ruth is all in on this show, we want this show to succeed. So Ruth, we feel she's the face, but she really is the heel. You know? Right. Like, yeah. like Ruth is the back of it. We're cheering for her. Right. Debbie's a good guy, and we're kind of not as much. I I don't I was I was rooting for her too, though. Like I I was but but your your thing is you want her and Ruth to be friends. That's yes. what you're really rooting for. Yeah. And Debbie isn't ready for that yet. So that's why she's kind of the villain in the way she treats Ruth, even though she, Ruth is the bad guy because she did the, she did the bad thing. It's it's an interesting dynamic. Oh, man, I don't I I don't know if I could call Debbie a villain though. Really? The way she's ah. treating because because she, she just fucked we, her husband. She literally destroyed her home. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. But. Ruth is all in on this glow show, mm-hmm. and and Sam has to coax Debbie into doing this, you know. Uh, Understandably so. She's so, a oh oh, oh yeah. totally totally. But to, like to, at least in my perspective, watching this, I'm not liking Debbie very much because she's not friends with Ruth, even though Ruth is the one who fucked up. 
big time. It's it's weird. It's it's just the way I was watching it. Yeah, I I'm guess like, I didn't. I, uh, I didn't have I the same feeling. And I was uh, anti Debbie. Okay. I was. I don't know. I was. I guess I was pro both of them, and I could see both of their plights. I guess. Like I, I really liked it when they were getting along and working together. Mm-hmm. But then I would then it would sour me when they wouldn't be able to hang out after because they were not there yet. You know. And I like, think that that feeling is summed up so fucking perfectly. I think it's in the last episode when yes. Debbie says to her. I what was it like I really fucking hate that you made it impossible for us to have a normal conversation ever again. That was that wasn't that the episode where they were doing the um like the episode party. nine at the party. Yeah, yeah, you're right, episode nine. Yeah. Yeah. But that's exactly it, you know? So so she's like coming clean, she's fessing up. She really is a good person that mm-hmm. had a moment of weakness. Two moments Two. of ah. weakness. Yeah. Sometimes I'm so sad that you took away the option of us ever being able to have a normal fucking conversation. Yeah, that one. It almost brought me to tears, that line. I thought it was so perfect. Cuts, you know? Yeah. Which, again, kind of flips you back around saying, hey, Debbie is a good guy. Ruth is the bad guy. But I think it's because we see more of Allison and not as much of Betty because Betty's kind of stuck up. Mm-hmm. That we kind of root, we we root for Ruth. You're jumping between the actors and the characters' names, and you're throwing me all. Am I? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, throwing at this IMDb list at the same time as I'm talking with right. beer in my hand. So. <laughs> oh man! I'll uh, I'll, um, I'll create a chart later. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, oh, it's confusing. I completely understand. I don't even know half the fucking people, uh, the characters' names, but yeah. Um, the the scene where Ruth talks Sam back into the production. Just another scene of it was so powerful and just so showed so much growth in their relationship. Um, just a quiet and very important scene, and I love that. I'll, I'll um, I did not write any notes while I was watching this. No, that so was just for there fine. might be a few things that I can't recall exactly. I, yeah, I mean it's ten episodes. You know, it's the way it is. But yeah. um, what else? So, but uh, well, can we talk ends, about? Can yeah. we talk about? The other girls for a second. Mm-hmm. Who was your favorite? Out of the other girls? Yeah. Like, you know, we talk about Ruth, talk about Debbie a lot. We talk about Sam, you know, uh, the, 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 the writer, director. Out of the, like, the other girls that, you know, they had their little small arcs, little mm-hmm. moments of, like, character. But, like, who else on the card did you actually enjoy watching? Um, I mean, I really liked um, Britannica because she mm-hmm. went topless. That's always enjoyable. And I thought she, <laughs> other than I thought she was very funny, okay. um, and just kind of goofy. And she came up with that whole rap, which I enjoyed. Um, the um, uh, she, the Asian girl. I can't. I uh, forget her character's name. Um, uh, oh, I mean, um, oh, I'm so horrible at this. I know. Uh, Whoever it was, that was uh, Jenny. Yeah, she like had n- very little to do. Until, like, she was going to plan She-Wolf's birthday. Um, And then she became, you know, more important for that episode. Um, She was a little firecracker. I liked her. She-Wolf was interesting as fuck once you realize that she's been, like, basically... You do this at the beginning of this fourth episode here. Basically playing a character, playing a character. Like, Mm -hmm. um, she puts on these things she has for, she says, like, the past five years and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's fascinating. Uh, Cherry... I thought was really cool. I really liked her and her husband. I thought they had a great chemistry. I thought their relationship was really cool. I uh, you don't get a whole lot of it, though. No. But you get enough that you want to see more, though. Yeah, absolutely. You get a gist that he is a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's kind of resting on her laurels because, you know, he's staying at the hotel. Right. With her, da, da, da. 
So, you know, they're, 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 I find they're like, they're very much a tandem. They're a tag team mm-hmm. where they will, you know, they, they, they push each other, you know, yeah. and they help each other out. So if like, I've got a gig, you can try to get something down on the gig, you know, vice versa. Right. So I, I do like that. Um, we find more, you know, Machu Picchu, Carmen with her family. I like that storyline. Yeah. Um, obviously, Justine for reason, you know, f- she's just a fangirl, which I appreciated that. Or we think for the majority of the show, she's just a fangirl. Did you expect that? Um, for her to be yeah. for the, her revelation? No, not in the least. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay. Well, I guess I'll get there. So I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't want to do too much, but. Uh, um, the, I think the most random fucking characters were yeah. uh, the two, like, characters playing the old women. I thought they were yeah. just ridiculous. Um, I mean, other like we just get so little of anyone other than our main care, our main two, and you know we get a little bit of Cherry, we get a little bit of Carmen, and then we do like almost nothing of the other ones, at least yeah, in this I, I season. Think, I think my favorite character was uh, Sheila the She Wolf, just yeah. because she was so odd. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really dug it. Um, I liked Melanie Rosen, uh, the uh, I guess the, the girl who drove the limo. I thought she had some really funny moments. She had some really good lines, yeah. Did yeah. not like the character, which, again, I, intentionally so. So, I mean, well acted. She got better, you but, know? Yeah. Um, and honestly, I loved Arthi Prima Kumar, uh, who played Beirut. Oh, she was funny as hell. Yeah, I liked her too. fucking awesome. Uh, actress named Sunita Mani, mm-hmm. which I've noticed her from other sh- Like, she looked familiar to me. Um and she was in Mr. Robot, which uh, there we go. Okay. But uh, yeah, I thought she was great as Beirut. I thought she was really, really good. The girl who was like originally wanting to play Liberty Bell. Yes. I think she was probably the least developed of all of them. I agree. I couldn't even tell you her name if you paid me a hundred bucks right now. But um, I, I could uh, tell you in a second. No, yeah. that's not her. Yeah, Honestly, I don't know. I mean, we even get some backstory on Welfare Queen. Like, she she has a son in fucking Harvard or Stanford or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. I think Stanford. But Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm hoping next year or next we, season there's yeah. more, uh, I mean, more flushing out. Exactly. Because, you know, it'll be season two. They're going to probably add a wrestler or two, even though they don't really need it. Mm-hmm. Because all the wrestlers haven't really been portrayed that much. But, you know, they're always going to add a cast member or two, right, every season. Because it's wrestling. It just makes sense. But, uh, yeah, I, I just thought as a whole it was, oh, isn't the uh, isn't the um, the Swedish girl? Is that Marina Pelka? Could that be her? I think that's her. Her character name was Reggie Walsh. I think that's her. I just don't recall her name being Reggie. Oh no, that's her. Yeah, that's her. Reggie Walsh was the uh, character uh, based off the uh, Swedish uh, Viking, and the actress for that was a Marina Pelka. So yeah, that's one character that was very underdeveloped this year. I'm hoping that uh, she gets more. More fleshed out season two, if there is a season two. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I feel like there, it probably will be because it's been so popular. Uh, but I don't know. We were talking about Netflix being so in the hole. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? But yeah, but you know what? They've been canceling uh, new series. Series mm-hmm. is that even a word? They've been, ca- they've been canceling <laughs> some shows. Like like since it got canceled. Um, and I know that Mr. Right. Show Bob and David got canceled. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, Girl Boss got canceled. So... It kind of sucks that they're starting to cancel shows, but I guess that's just part of the business when you're growing so much. And, you know, they just move into this huge building. Uh, they ch- move their offices. Um, so I know they've got a lot of debt right now. So I'm hoping they can get out of the out of the red so they can continue on doing what they're doing right now because uh, yeah, uh, I'm enjoying it at least. Mm-hmm. I have no indicate. There's no way I'm going to cancel my Netflix account anytime soon. Right. Especially with shows like this. This is fun. Exactly. 
So you're talking about, you know, who the bad guy of the film or, or the series. Yeah. And for me, I if to place one, it has to be Debbie's husband. Sure. Because I think he's such a piece of shit. And I just I just hate him more and more as series goes on. So um he has to, I love that he has to read from a piece of paper when uh she comes home and he's there because he quote unquote gets flustered. I thought that was just really funny. He's pretty um, He is, yeah. And um he just proves to be a piece of shit multiple times over. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and there you, you is a see, line. You see it more later on in the episodes. Yeah. Like in the final exactly. episodes. You mm-hmm. just see what kind of guy he really is. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting. Mm. Um, I, there's that scene where Ruth calls the she, Sheila a wolf instead of a freak. Yeah. And how much that means to Sheila, where and that's where she reveals that she feels like she is spiritually a wolf. I thought that was just a very strange but fascinating sequence. Yeah, and plus like they were bunking together at the motel at that point. And right. they're they, they weren't mean to each other, but they're very standoffish. Yes. You know? And this was kind of like a like a a, a crossing of a bridge between both exactly. of the characters where they kinda accept each other, you know. Right. Because nobody really – I don't think anybody really likes Ruth that much apart from uh, maybe Carmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we see, you know, like an episode with she- with Sheila. Is that the same episode where she go- – it's her birthday? I don't think so, eh? No, it's a couple later. That's another yeah. fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, you kind of get a bit of a melt on Sheila. and uh, That could be episode four maybe, right? Maybe episode four or five because then you see her – as a blonde putting the wig on, because I thought her hair—yeah, that was—that's the start of episode four. That's what we're on right yeah. now. I thought her hair was that hair. I know. So, me too. Me too. Yeah, and I'm thinking, is she goth? What is, what is she exactly? I no, know. no, she she's a wolf. She's like, a fair, wolf. fair enough. It's a good right. gimmick. Who, yeah, I have a werewolf tattoo, so I'm like, it, she's <laughs> yeah. a little kindred. Yeah. Um, and that's what I wrote down. I'd fucking kill to be able to see blood disco. God, I wish that was real. <laughs> But, um, and then we get Sam's dating tape video, his dating video in the middle of his movie, you know, yeah. VHS tapes, nothing quite like him. Gotta love I, that. I feel, I, you feel bad for that character. Like he's an mm-hmm. asshole. He's a prick, but he's also looking for his true love, you know? Right. And yeah. it, it, that's, a, it's a tender moment for him, even though he's still yeah. kind of prickish in the video. Right. It's like, everybody needs to have their special someone, you know, and he hasn't found exactly. his yet. And then the end of episode four, it had one of my favorite images, um, Ruth sleeping in one chair on the right side of the pool and Debbie relaxing on the other side of the pool with her baby um, at the hotel pool. I thought it was just really, really well done. Great scene. And, and it just shows fun. again the divide between both characters and how much there is between them. Yes. You know, like yep, there's a body of water between them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in the pool, but it's a metaphor, you know. Right. Um, so and it's also, in a way, too, the way you look at it, you know, when you find out later on what Root's gimmick becomes, you know, it's like there's a body <laughs> water that separates two superpowers. Right. So, you know, yeah. it's like the seeds are there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the line in episode five where um, he says, uh, just nerds try harder. It's like, <laughs> yes, it's so true. I love it. <laughs> yeah, they do. Oh, man. Um, I thought it was Debbie was so awkward around the executive whose name I I don't recall. Um, but the guy who uh, oh the guy who pitches uh, uh the um the ads 
Right, like yes. Cardio Town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah the thing is, her it. heart wasn't in the project at that time. Right. You know? Like, she was kind of mm-hmm. just half-assing it. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a I'm a soap opera star, so I'm better than everybody. So, her yeah. nose was still kind of up in the air, up, you know, until... Really, until that moment where that was a, much of a disaster because she thinks... Because she's a trained actress, you know, she should be right. the one to be able to schmooze anybody. And mm-hmm. it really falls flat because mm. she doesn't believe in the product. Exactly. And I love when Sam's selling it to him. He says, porn, you can watch with your kids. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was brilliant. Oh, what uh, a great line. So good. But uh, how far from truth is that? You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Come on. When you do a body slam, where, where would I put my hands? Yeah. Exactly. You know? Um, in this scene, we get this weird – or in this episode, we get this weird, weird scene with the uh, hotel owner um, when she tries to get her TV fixed. And I thought that was so strange. But obviously, it kind of sets up for the the meeting that they have later and the fact that she kind of tags along with him to his party. And so, it's kind of their first interaction together. But out of context, not knowing what's happening, I thought it was just such a weird fucking moment. Yeah. Yeah. But, it was weird. And that party is so good. Oh, yeah. Oh. I know. Like, I, I, like – I, I just find, you know, as a character of Ruth for Alison Brie, mm-hmm. again, I don't know everything she's done. I could probably jump on her IMDb right now and see. Yeah, I've literally, I did that and I've literally seen Scream 4. That's it. That's all I know her from. <laughs> yeah, like she's done a lot of stuff, which, yeah, I, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm still scrolling. So I've never, I've only seen like a smidge of what she's actually done. Mm-hmm. But it it just shows how vulnerable she can make her characters become you know right. like she's got such a range and that's why i just i just love her on this show because mm-hmm. she can be awkward as fuck she can be the joke of, of the room and not know about it and still yeah. like walk out with her head high <laughs> exactly yeah she's done so much stuff and i've never seen before i know me either and mm-hmm. people have talked about her so much recently and i thought i knew her but no i definitely didn't yeah I love the, we get the introduction of the pizza boy and uh, what's her name? The young girl. I fuck. Justine's uh, infatuation with him. I love that. And the fact that the pizza boy name was Billy Awful. I thought that was great too. He's a poser. Uh, oh yeah. But he gets, he gets the girl. So hey, do what you do. Yeah. It's all about uh, the hair. I need to move my hair up. Right. <laughs> oh, I need to make mine stop falling out. That <laughs> oh, hey, mine's <laughs> falling out too. Mine's falling out too. I gotta wear hats now. Right. Yeah. Well, not really, but I I feel I like should. <laughs> have you thought about shaving your head? No, I have. No, I'm I'm getting that. Fr- you know where where your head's starting to like get a little itchy, but you don't want to you don't want to scratch because you're afraid a follicle's gonna fall. <laughs> I, I'm slowly getting like I feel that my my fire tuck mm-hmm. patch is getting thinner and thinner. And I'm like I'm gonna have to shave my head, but I don't think I'm gonna look good with a shaved head. I think I, I have think a pull head. it off. I don't know. I think if I keep the beard, yes, which I right. plan on getting rid of the beard. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'm afraid to discover a divot or something or like a, mm. a, a something that I didn't know was on it. You know, I might have to go <laughs> Bam Bigelow and just put flames on it. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Hell yeah. I love uh, that. Yeah. A big zombie. Oh, right. how fuck would that have to be? Huh? Put like mm-hmm. a zombie head on the back of your head. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Creepy Make as fuck. Make that shit happen. I want that for their next video cast. That should be there. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Right. Uh, so we get patio, the patio scene. I love that. Um, Sam's in first interaction with him. Hilarious. And then fucking Ruth going rogue, introducing this character. Uh, oh, where solid. she comes up with the Russian character. So good. Yeah. 
And just, uh, you know, like, obviously, you're going to go Cold War, you know, US-Russia. Right. And we didn't really talk about this just so much uh, because I guess I have slightly a bit more of a, a glow, you know, background than you, like maybe by like five seconds worth of footage. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite characters from the original show was uh, Colonel uh, Nikochka, which was the, the, the Russian girl. Oh, okay. And I and, and just the fact that Alison Brie's playing the Russian counterpart mm-hmm. on this show just filled me with delight and glee. <laughs> That's awesome. I was curious if that was based on a real one because I didn't remember. Well, it's well, yeah. There was a, a Russian uh, a Russian wrestler back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, actually blonde, and uh, she had like a sickle and hammer on her on her shoulder, you know, painted on type of thing, just yeah. to play the stereotypes because that's what she did in the eighties, played stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Again, just look at Beirut. <laughs> so awesome. Right. Uh, with, with the uh, glitter unibrow, yes. which I fucking love. Oh, man. Was, that's great. Um, but yeah, yeah. So so just seeing it's going to be US-Russia and that Ruth takes and just embraces this whole Russian gimmick. Right. I fucking love it. I'm not saying I was even more attracted, but when she had her hair up in that final episode. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I was like, fuck, it's amazing. Dude, how she much- looked. So good. Yeah. Oh my God, yes. It's just the, the man, the, how she can transform her look with makeup and hair is just fascinating to me. Yeah. It, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is fucking fantastic. Anyways, mm-hmm. okay. But we're, we're not there yet. But. Um, yeah, I wrote down, go Sam, shagging Britannica, winning the game. Good for oh, him. And their relationship <laughs> was so fucking funny. Oh, I know. It was. Um, I love that, like, and it, it turns out, like, Basically, Sam's going to leave her because, like, he's losing the power, he says. But it turns out, like, she genuinely likes him and she just doesn't care about the other girls. Mm-hmm. And I think that relationship might play out more in the next season because at the end of the last episode, she's um, – Britannica's asking, you know, you know, is Sam okay? Is Sam okay? Yeah. And so, I don't know. Just there seems to be a concern there. So, I feel like that might be played up um, again in the future, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot more that they're going to explore, you know, mm-hmm. once they go season two. Right. Oh, Christopher fucking Daniels. Love it. Hits yes, you noticed there. it too. Yes. So happy to see him. I wasn't sure who he wrestled though. Uh, me either. I did not write it down, so I don't I don't know. But, but uh, yeah. And no, then we get it, Steel Horse and Mr. Monopoly, which, which we talked about. Uh, that, I love that. That episode was pretty fucking good. And that was, was the first yeah. time that uh, Debbie actually goes oh, to a wrestling show. Yeah. And, and her, I, I really like that. It kind of melted yeah. her icy character a bit. So Exactly. And, and her revelation that pro wrestling is a soap opera. So it's, I know soap operas. Like, I love that. It's so good. So true. And that's what pro wrestling is, right? Like, I like uh, it's just yeah. her revelation. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. But yeah, so awesome. Um, I loved uh, Debbie's reaction to Ruth. In this opening scene, I think it's when they're, um, I think it's when they're filming, or they're they were gonna film. Ah, I can't fucking remember the beginning of episode. I guess I had to be six. Okay. Um. Oh, she's. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Okay, so, um, they're basically Sam is trying to sell Ruth as the villain to Debbie's Liberty Bell. Yes. And okay. Debbie's reaction to her, she's just like staring at her with no look on her face, just like a blank stare. And then it's just like, no, it's not going to work. Well, this is the one where they else. try to uh, pair up with other wrestlers. Yes, and exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's this episode. And, and again, uh, I, I felt bad for Ruth, you know? Mm-hmm. Even though she's the one that's at fault, I felt bad for her. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't um, – Ah, 
I guess I do I think, I do I think it's a casting though. Like if it wasn't Alison Brie, mm-hmm. would I feel so much empathy for her? Probably not. Yeah. Like the casting does makes a big difference. Yeah. I love um so we talked a little bit about it already, but the the way that Ruth weasels her way into the hotel owner's bar mitzvah. Um <laughs> It's just so good, and then like um, the the conversation, the, the the Russian conversation that's happening right in front of Ruth, um, and she's just so oblivious at it. Obviously, she doesn't read it, um, but she is just like so bad at reading the room, um, and I think the the vodka had a bit to do with it as well. Um, but, but then she starts singing the song, and it's just fantastic. She like, starts singing on the roof and wins the crowd over. It was awesome. But how cringe-inducing were you feeling at the time of a like nineteen-year-old boy getting circumcised oh, in man. a hotel ballroom? God, that's so strange. Oh, man, I I was uh, I was feeling sympathy pains. Right. Oh man, crazy shit. So this is where I was writing down. Justine is super jealous of the fact that Sam and Britannica are fucking. Um. But in reality, she's not jealous, as we'll find out necessarily. Uh, well, maybe maybe just just a different type of jealousy. I think not, she's oh, more I wish I was grossed. I think she's grossed out. Like, yeah, you're banging my dad. Oh shit! I, well, I spoil whatever. Fuck. Um, no, no, uh, yeah, but- we already, no, we haven't spoilers. But- <laughs> Sorry, I'm just jumping ahead of myself. But I think she's like I, I thought at the time that it happened that she was yeah she was the. You know, you go to the convention, you want to bang the, exactly. you want to bang the, you know, the, the star or something. Like, right. She had right. this super huge crush, but mm-hmm. you find out later on that's not really the case. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think they, they do that purposely, right? Like that's the oh, intention sure. is for us to think she's the fangirl, uh, which kind of swerves that end so well. Well, I have to admit though, she kind of looks the part. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, she's kind of like kind of punky, kind of like anti-establishment, and he plays all these bees. Yeah, you know, so yeah, so it's kind of like you're expecting that she's the one who really wants to, you know, wants to be with him. Mm -hmm. Yes and no, you know. Right, right. Um, what else was there in the scene? So or this uh, episode? Oh, I love so this finally at the end. They realize oh she comes back drunk as like and, you know she's gonna play this this or or drunk Orthodox Jewish woman is the character she's deciding on, yeah. and then she gets in the ring with um, Liberty Bell, and they finally have the fight and like she says something, and um, it looks like it's gonna be the last line and then then uh, Debbie looks down she's sorry sorry I get the last line and she just yells freedom I like it just I love that whole scene it was wonderful I really thought it was funny. Because now she's like, yeah, you know, we can make this work. Exactly. I will work with you, but we're not going to be friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we get a random scene here at the end, too, with the pizza boy and the hotel owner, which <laughs> just kind of like two guys down in the luck with the ladies. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was strange, but great. And I wouldn't have minded if it went out, that scene went on a little longer just because it was random as hell. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Justine, that episode ends with Justine stealing the camera, which is like, what What the fuck is she up to? Like, what is going on here, you know? But yeah, she just wants a piece of, she just wants a piece of uh, Sam. Yeah, right. Exactly. Again, That's we're thinking funny. that it's because he filmed all his movies on this camera, maybe? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. So this next episode, I was really excited about, because obviously we're getting real close to our first live show. Um, and that just made me happy. Um and I love that they made uh, Cherry's husband the ref. The ref, I really like that. Oh, me too. 
Um, <laughs> he was good as a ref, mm-hmm. especially yeah. when he's giving like positive encouragement right. to the girls. So I'm like, yeah, it's so cool, you know? Right. Oh, man. Uh, another just fucking excellent scene that I loved as a, you know, I mean, what young wrestling fan didn't want to be a wrestler when they were older at one point? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's, you really see that with Ruth and Debbie learning how to do that top rope splash. Oh, and, and just trained. that montage sequence that they do. Yeah. I forget what song is being played. I know, but it's so very 80s. I can't remember either. So fucking good, though. I yeah. just I can't recall what it was, but I'm like, yeah, this fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's an 80s montage. It's got a great kick-ass song. Yeah. Yeah, I love that episode. Yeah, me too. Um, Britannica is so cute. Like when she when she she got so excited to when she showed Sam that rap video that she made. Mm-hmm. And Sam goes, Yeah, it's pretty catchy. Like she was just so uh content with herself and i was like oh that's adorable but for some reason i feel that song or variation of that song was actually done in real life which would not surprise me because it's rock and wrestling right um yeah i think glow did have a theme song i'm pretty sure that it it might have been that song frankly i don't remember i don't remember either but it it sounded very familiar because it's it's really hokey too like it's not a good song but yeah. it just it exactly. it works. Yeah. Yes, it works. Glow, glow. That's our name. Women wrestling is our game. If like, we play rough, don't blame us. And then I, I don't remember the rest. But it's it's like the Super Bowl shuffle. That's yeah. exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. And then Sam gives the uh, the quote unquote motivational speech that a lot of directors like to do before their first show. And uh, says break a leg, and then the two, and then they hear a places. Or um, Ruth goes, "Is that places?" And he goes, "Yes, that's places." And then the two actresses go, "Thank you, places." And I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that's so nerdy!" Because that's that's what you do. That's yeah. the polite actor thing to do is to thank the stage director for that. Like, uh, it's just awesome. Fucking yeah, love is, the stage manager, funny. rather. Um, I felt so bad for Carmen having like a panic attack. When she's about to go out for her first live performance, I was like, oh, man. Um, but then you get this cool relationship between Bash and Carmen, which you wouldn't expect. And again, it's nothing romantic, but it's just like it, just genuine friendship growing between them. And I really like that. Yeah, it's a romantic. A times. I, I think because they're both in the same boat with their parents. Right. Where they both think like her dad or uh, Carmen's dad is against her wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, crashes or Bash's mom. Uh, wants him to stop spending all that money. Yeah. You know, so I, they're, they're kind of in the same boat, but at a different uh, economic level. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it's, it could be interesting to see if anything develops there. Yeah. And I think it might because th- when she gets in the ring in the last episode, just Bash's excitement as he's the announcer is is uh, so palpable. Like, it's awesome. He just, he can't contain himself. He, you know, he yells, yes, he screams because she wins and she's so excited. Like, I just think he really likes her, which is nice. Yeah, I think so too. We get the KKK gimmick, which I didn't see coming. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Oh it my God, it was so, so good. Heat. Yeah, it ga- ga- garnered so much heat, which I loved. <laughs> Only uh, in the 80s. Exactly. Um, yeah, just the, the chemistry between Bash and Carmen again, but, um, the fact that her, that Lib, uh, Debbie's fucking husband showed up at the end of this episode. Oh my God. I fucking hated that so much. This motherfucker cheats on her and then he files for divorce. Like, fuck this guy, man. Yeah. God, I fucking hated him. So I'd like to maybe change my, my perception a bit. Mm-hmm. I think he really is the main heel of the show. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Or, or, you know, <sighs> 
he's like that, that he's like that heel manager that just comes <laughs> in to, to screw up the plans you know what i mean yeah yeah because uh, really he's the one that's the the catalyst for for ruth and debbie's downfall right as yeah. friends you know um and it's just it, it it's kind of sad that you know debbie's able to go through you know go through um counseling and goes back home with him but mm-hmm. leaves Ruth dangling i guess right. be- because of their their kid that they have together mm-hmm. but it's like she's not giving Ruth the same amount of of closure maybe as he is mark and i really not like the fact that his name was mark i i did not enjoy <laughs> that at all but it's not the case so it's okay i suppose right exactly completely different completely different so don't even yeah. worry about it uh, and then this episode ends with a uh, in memory of Chavo Guerrero Sr. at the end, which I appreciated that. That was very nice. Yeah. Well, uh, Chavo Guerrero Jr. was a, um, was a um, I guess, um, a consultant on the show. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So he might have helped with training and whatnot. Right. On top right. of all the other wrestlers that were part of the show. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Chavo Guerrero was, uh, was uh, a consultant on the show and I think helped with the training. Mm-hmm. And back in the day... I think Chavo Guerrero Sr. was part of the Glow Show as well. Oh, no kidding. If I, I remember know. the documentary per, uh, properly. Okay. I might be incorrect on that, but I think there's somebody in the Guerrero family was part of the training of the ladies in okay. l- real life back in the day. That definitely would make sense. Yeah. I'd have to rewatch that documentary again. Right, right. Um, so the beginning of this next episode here, I fucking cracked me up. Um, Sam asks Rhonda to hold back because, uh, to stay back. So they don't look like they're walking in together. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, I can't be late. I'm the director. And then she comes in and he's like, Rhonda, you're late. I'm like, oh my God, that's just so <laughs> fucking perfect. Oh. Again, Mac- Mark Marin is so, again, he's with the C. So fucking brilliant. Like all the other Marks <laughs> with the C. Right. Uh, like, oh, I-, I can't think of anybody else mm-hmm. in that role, but Mark Marin. Yeah, he did so fucking great with it. You know, because he's funny, but he's not an idiot. Now, yeah. Let's say you put like Jack Black in that role. Uh, no, thank you. It's not the same type of com- uh, comedy, you know? Right. It's not right. the same type of funny. Um, mm-hmm. You really do need a biting comic yeah. and not a comedic actor mm-hmm. to do something like this. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting pretty drunk right now. <laughs> Oh, this is 6.3%, and this is a 650-milliliter bottle. It's like two pints. Anyways, okay, continue. Oh, wow. Glow! Good. good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for more reason to hate Debbie's husband, he says he had to get the power back, which is why he filed those uh, for the divorce paperwork. I'm like, fuck you. You know what that means? It means he got a small dick. <laughs> Hi, there you go. It's like, how the fuck did he get her anyway? He's just like a... I don't know. Guy. I don't know, but he is I feel totally like she's out the one with of the money, uh, not him. But maybe I'm wrong. Possibly, because she's the one that was the. Act- I honestly don't know what he does for a living. I don't, I don't either. Think, I don't I know. Ever explored? Drives but, a Mercedes. Uh, that's all I know. Like he's not. He's not a bad looking guy. He's just. He seems right. a little, little schlubby for, uh, for, for Debbie. Exactly. I wonder. So if this is when we get the uh, the Brooke Hogan cameo. And um, I love, which again, we already talked about that, but I love when he was talking about his vision, Sam was talking about his vision. And that's when the the glimpse you get that this is, yeah, he's a genuinely good director. Like, let him do his vision. This is going to be good. And then um, uh, Ruth follows at the end. He's like, with the glitter. And he's just, are you making fun of me? I just like fucking, it was such a good scene. It ended so well. I'll Uh, I'll be honest with you. When I saw Brooke Hogan, 
Mm-hmm. I really thought that was an 80s porn star. It was it was a porn star. I did not oh, realize really? up until for the podcast that, that was Brooke Hogan. Oh wow. He didn't look good. No, exactly. I, I really thought it was like a, a, a an old porn star, I really did. Yeah. That's funny as hell. <laughs> oh man. So this is when we get the start of this whole other kind of swerve, right? The pregnancy scare. Well, not scared. The fact that fucking uh, Ruth is pregnant, right? And so, well, she doesn't know she's pregnant. She's having signs and takes the pregnancy test. And I, is that seriously how fucking pregnancy tests were in the 80s? Gonna, it's like a fucking science project. I was going to ask you, do you have to be a, ch- a chemist to actually right. find out if you're pregnant or not? Like, I know. That was really in- intense. Like, There's lots of labor involved yeah. when it comes to uh, pregnancy Holy tests back shit. in the day. Like, You needed a God. beaker with like an open flame. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I know. I don't know about you, but like- I'd be wearing goggles. Right. Absolutely. Oh, man. It's so fucking weird how that pregnancy test. But anyway, um, yeah. So you have that. Uh, and then we have uh, – <laughs> it's one thing to fuck on the period and then to talk about it afterwards was so gross. <laughs> I had period sex with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why is this uh, happening? I, I think my favorite part of that episode, though, has to be the glee on Sheila, the she-wolf's face when she's oh, was kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Oh, man. I just, it made yeah. me so happy. Mm hmm. Exactly right. It was like, it was pure, like, happiness. Like, she's a kid again. I know. know? It was interesting. And yeah. that's, her character is very fascinating. I, it, and you don't get a ton, but what you get is really interesting. Agreed. So there's one line 42 days. Debbie went 42 days without touching him or asking how his day was. Yeah. And that just gave me a whole new outlook on the entire relationship in one minute of dialogue. It just, it turned it from black and white to gray, which is always more interesting. And not just that, it was 42 days before the baby. Like this Exactly. Is, this right. Pre-pregnancy. Before being pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. It's just fucking crazy. Yeah, that was uh, that. That moment actually had a lot more gravitas. Yes, you know. Yeah, um, I know it. It it yeah. just gave me a whole new outlook, and I was like, okay, maybe there's more to this. Yeah, and obviously there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So obviously they're going to go to the abortion clinic, and I fucking love Sam here. You know, Clay, he claims to be her husband, and then just makes things awkward as hell. I just love that, and they're so good together because they're such opposites, and I I just love them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, the thing <laughs> is, you know, again, I think they both realize they're both broken, mm-hmm. and uh, they, uh, you know, they, they, now that they're part of a crew together, they have to look out for each other. Right. Yeah. Yep, and that whole man just—I don't know—that was such a, an emotionally powerful scene, and just a, frankly, a whole episode. That one, um, I didn't expect that like that abortion clinic scene to hit me quite in the way it did, um, but it was—it was really good stuff. Like just so well done, well written, well acted. Mm-hmm. It really but, was. So, uh, do you know? Uh, this, this is how ignorant I am. That I didn't know anything about this terrorist situation that they're talking about in the beginning of what's this got to be like the ninth episode, I guess. Is that yeah. the, the Olympic? Uh, is that what they're talking about? The Olympic? Is that what um, it was? Was it at the Olympics? I don't know. Like, there's a few mentions of it. They're all watching the the news and okay, how these no, pilots no. are. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking Munich for some stupid reason. Oh no, um, not that. Yeah, that I think that's where Delta Force got their plot off of, where mm. a terrorist organization took over a 
airline and uh, they held everybody hostage. But the pilots, they, I've heard of it. I think Delta okay. Force is based off of that. Uh, mm-hmm. sp- specifics right now, I couldn't give them to you, but it really did happen. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was wondering because I, fi- I figured it did, but I didn't know anything of it. And that just shows my ignorance. But I was just curious if you had any more uh, insight into it. But I was off my head, no, but it's something right. that really did happen uh, back okay. in the day. So in this episode, we get the return of Bash, who's clearly like coked out um, <laughs> and uh, kind of freaking out because he's basically he's out of money. Yes. Um, and I like that. Um, and this is when the girls decide to do the fundraiser. And uh, she says, oh, four grand, we can or nine grand or whatever. We can make that in our sleep. And Britannica says, charge people to watch us sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. I would totally uh, get my car dirty over and over again. Right. Exactly. Uh, the, the arc that Bash takes, I think is really fantastic. Um, and then when he comes back to the, to the hotel with the girls and just his performance there, it's just so awkward and, uh, just, I don't know, accurate is the word I want to say. Just so realistic, it feels. And I really like that. Yeah. No, it, it, it I didn't find anything felt forced on this show, relationship right. wise. It mm-hmm. felt very organic. Yeah, definitely. And and speaking of little things that really make a character, his man boy image, Bash is with his mom with Debbie, and he doesn't introduce Debbie. Debbie just kind of like has this awkward pause because you know a, a a a gentleman would introduce the woman that he's with to his mother, and instead he just kind of stares there and waits for her to introduce herself. And it's just a small moment that plays up his immature uh, nature, but I really liked it. Well, the thing is, he doesn't look like a kid, but I think right. with all his uh, silver spoon. Yes. In he had in his mouth. Uh, he yeah. really is a kid yeah. in a, a guy's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking Sam snorts crack with the band off of a picture of Mr. and Mrs. Reagan. <laughs> Loved that. And, and not just that, but he talked about his idea of this I know. Movie. And then, uh, <laughs> I feel like that's so revealing because he, it, you know, he doesn't know this, this latest, greatest Hollywood film. Uh, you know, it just, and it's shocking to him that it's happened. It just says a lot about how much he's devoted to glow and just hasn't had time for anything else he's too much in his own little head regarding you know the current product he's on yeah and the thing is i'm thinking fuck you know that sounds like a good movie i'm like wait a minute i know that's why i said i need to see mothers and lovers is what i wrote down (laughs) back to the future (laughs) and then oh dude that no that movie's on the theaters right now i'm like oh the look on his face i felt so bad for him i really did because he got a big one to whammy during the party yeah. The fact that his film is already uh, – right. his, his premise is already made into a film. Right. And then we find out later on that uh, uh, that uh, uh, Justine is not a crazy fanboy mm-hmm. or fangirl that wants to sleep with him after he offers to have sex with her. He, he makes out with her. He kisses oh, her. He kisses her. He kisses yeah. her. Yeah. And then we find out, no, Justine is his long lost daughter. Yeah. Oh, that's cringy. I know. Like, it's oh. crazy. And the look on <laughs> Marin's face. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, it's, how can you, how would you be able to process that? Right. Especially he's like drunk and like drugged out. Drunk and high, you know, oh, devastating. Mm-hmm. But such a good television. Right. Because nobody saw it coming. Exactly. I know I did. How could you? How could you? I know you? I did not. Right. 
But um, uh, and then uh, right before that, we get Ruth's speech, and it was so perfect because it's genuine. It's not a lie. The only thing she does is add the word crack a couple times, <laughs> but her story's <laughs> real, and I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, and then the mom said, you know, basically agrees to let them use the banquet hall or the whatever they their room for the sh- shooting of the show mm-hmm. because she buys into Ruth's story. And then she walks away and uh, Ruth says, you should hug her. And Bash goes, no, we, we don't do that. <laughs> I thought that was just so <laughs> perfectly played. It was just – it was wonderful. Yeah. But yeah. And then obviously the this one ends with Sam being a dick to and uh, chasing Justine away because that's his defense mechanism. And he even says that earlier on in the series that that's just what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I expected it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she kind of launched a bomb on him. Oh, I know, in such a weird place. But I mean, to to yeah. her, uh, to her, uh, you know, to I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to say, but to her credit, I guess not that. But um, it, he tried kissing her, so it's like, whoa, when else am I going to say? You know, he kind of forced her to say it, type of true. thing. True, yeah, true. But so then we have episode ten, the last one of season one, and. Um, it's good. It, this is just such a great fucking episode and a great way to end this thing. So obviously, um, uh, uh, Sam comes back and he's just like fucked up and stinks and everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's like, I, I don't, I don't know how to be a parent, yada, yada, yada. And then, um, they're like, where's Justine? And she's like, oh, she's probably with Billy. And he's like, Billy, who the fuck is Billy? And then Ruth's reaction, see, that sounded very paternal. I just fucking loved it. <laughs> so fucking good, man. Just hilarious. Uh, what what I liked about this episode is that, you know, Sam's MIA mm-hmm. on the biggest day of their career so far involving yep. this project. Yeah. And Ruth just fucking takes stage manager takes, extraordinaire. She just she just takes uh the briefcase and just runs with it, you know? I know. It's so natural. I fucking love it. Yeah, I, I, I really it. dug that. It's just it's just another uh, it's another beam of positivity for her. That, you know, mm-hmm. like she wants to succeed so hard that she is taking responsibility. She's got that belt over her shoulder and she's going right. to make sure that everybody looks good at the end. Yep, exactly. So good. And I loved like they, so they, they have their match or they have their show. Mm-hmm. I love the swerve at the end where, oh, yeah. you know, it's uh it's a tag team. And right. And Liberty Bell from the, from the crowd. From the crowd, yep. Fucking loved it. Loved it. But then the swerve at the end with Marin, oh yes. man, did that suck! Oh, I was man. not happy with that. With uh, you talking about Welfare Queen, Welfare Queen getting the crown, yeah, getting the crown, yeah, yeah. I sets hated up that. though, sets up for the next episode, man. Oh, totally, totally, so good. But just the fact that like they had, you know, they worked on this together. It was a collusion right. between them two, yeah. And then Marin, because it's his show, gets a final word. Mm-hmm. Even though he was not around for the whole event, exactly. Yeah, that, that sucks, right? But great heel move and a great way to end the season. Yeah, definitely. I love right right before the before the event starts, the turnbuckle literally falls off and bashes hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when he's doing the whole Ultimate Warrior like uh, rope shaking. Yes, exactly. Oh, look, so look, funny. we've got pink ropes, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, and then uh, Sam goes to try to get uh, Justine to come to the event, and you have like this like super nice mom of uh, Billy Awful, and the pizza boy. Mm-hmm. And he says, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I tried to fuck you. Okay, if you had told me you were my daughter, I wouldn't have done that. Right behind him is Billy's mom. It's just so fucking funny, man. I would have stayed for the coffee. Right. I would have. <laughs> oh man. 
I love Bash realizing that he's going to have to be the announcer. And he's like, no, I brought my tuxedo. I was born for this moment. Like, <laughs> oh, man. I just wrote I love Bash. He is me if I was rich in the 80s because I'm sure I'd have robots yeah. filled with crack and coke. Like, he or, just uh, coke ran with the whole announcing gig mm-hmm. and he killed it. So good. So did you catch on the marquee? Uh, they show at one point there's a, mar- a theater marquee and okay. it's Dawn of the Dead, St. Elmo's Fire and Back to the Future all on the marquee. I was like, that's a damn good night of the movies. And I was curious. I didn't look it up. But I'm wondering, did those three films share a theatrical release at the same time? Dawn 70s? No. I would say, okay. uh, was it Dawn or was it Day? Oh, it was Day. I'm I, sorry. So that would make, maybe? Because again, at the same time, back in the day, movies would last longer in a the theater. You can see some that's films true. last right. a whole fucking calendar year at the movies, right? Oh, so, yeah. I didn't even think about that because they don't yeah. have like, this is probably... You know, VHS isn't even huge at this point, right? So no, they're not. It's not huge at all. Uh, well, it's, it's starting. Okay. Uh, this is what eighty five, eighty six. So the I mark, think. the market's uh, budding. Um, okay. But I'd still at this time though, like movies would last a year in theaters. Right. Um, hmm. So it would it would make sense if it's day. Yeah, it would make sense. Dawn, I don't think so. I think it was day. I think I wrote down dawn, but I think it was day. Yeah, yeah, I would assume so. I thought that was a little just cool, but yeah. Um, and so then. They introduce this kind of uh, this uh, struggle, I guess, with Cherry because she gets she's going to be cast as the lead in this other series, and she can't do both yeah, like because a, the producer like says she can't. Lacey style show, yeah. yeah. And so I'm interested to see what happens there as we continue on. But um, and the, oh, I love it—the Lebanese cannonball. It's the fucking roll, RVD's Rolling Thunder. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was like a fucking WCW audience throwing shit into the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, what I loved about that, though, was how affected, um, what's her name, the terrorist, was by the fact that they Be genuinely loose. hated her. Yeah. I mean, they're completely new to this. So, I mean, that would be – that's like seems like a, a, the right response because – But that's, it's been that way ever since. I, I cannot think of a wrestler with Middle Eastern descent that right. was actually a baby face. Can no, you think of one? Yeah, no, they don't exist. It's always been a heel. And that's the wrestling, though. They've always taken, you know, headlines and mm-hmm. they just magnify everything, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, Iron Sheik was never uh, was never a face. Uh, right. You know, like even Jinder Mahal right now. No, exactly. he's Indian, right? Like He's Canadian. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, exactly. You, you know what I mean? Playing. But, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I can't think of a baby face Middle Eastern wrestler. No. I'm, oh, essentially, Dutt has been like he's been the face, but you know he was in the X division on in TNA. Mm-hmm. You know who who does like a high flyer, but like think WWE main event, nothing comes right. to mind right now. Even Muhammad Hassan, he got booed. Well, that was around nine eleven, so his gimmick got kind of cut really short, really quick. Um, yeah, that's what killed. Yeah, he was like the hottest thing fucking on WWE, and then nine eleven happened, and he was gone a week later. Yeah, yeah they literally so took him off television a week later. Like, Safari, uh, I, I can't think of it. Maybe more Persian women might have been more of a face. Like, oh, what's her name in the uh, Alia Alia in NXT? Oh, beats me. Last time I watched NXT, she was a face. Okay, um, but uh, apart from that, I can't think of anything else. I'm sure there has been, obviously, right? Uh, but having no mask and I, I don't know. Nothing comes to mind right now. Right. Yeah, me either. I don't know. But- yeah. So, and then I hated her husband again, Mark, uh, grew very yes. quickly because oh, him. he, yes. yeah, him. With Mark a K. with a K, with a K, because 
the of the way he treats what she's doing. Like, yeah. that's not that's not how you treat someone that you're married to. You know, like that's not yeah. proper. That's not right. Like that's just shit. Like, you're being a fucking douchebag again. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if she didn't touch you. There's probably a reason she didn't touch you for forty two fucking days. You're a prick. But the thing is, he doesn't like to see her succeed. I think, ex- and that's it, because that's just she said. She said you said the same thing for Paradise Cove. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's just he doesn't want to see her be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that Machu Picchu's father was in the audience. That made me. It was heartwarming, and I enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, cheering her on. That's what got her in the ring. That was great. Uh, I, I love seeing how much the girls improved since their first time in the ring to this first show. I thought that was great. Um, Me too. I love the the line that uh, Justine has. They're kind of like staring at the wrestling and she's like, you want to make out again? He goes, what? And he goes, she goes, kidding. Jeez. I th- it's so totally something Sam's daughter would say. Like, <laughs> it's very funny. Right. Because they have the same sense of humor. Exactly. Exactly. And that's it's just so fitting. Just perfect. But, um. Yeah. And then I got, like you said, I got goosebumps when Debbie comes out of the crowd just I'm such a fucking nerd, but I loved it so much. It's just so fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, nails the second rope splash. Yeah, right. Uh, and again, it's a basic move nowadays, but right, back then, exactly. it's a big thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. And then you set up Welfare Queen versus Liberty Bell. Love that. Um, and then the the very ending I thought was, was fucking awesome. Ruth says, want to grab a drink? And Debbie's reply is, no, we're not there yet. And then the credits roll. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, I cannot fucking wait to see where this goes. I know. And I'm hoping it's sooner than later. I'm hoping this time right. next year we're talking about season two. Yeah, exactly. So, fantastic. So, do uh, you want to talk about your final thoughts and your, give your star rating for Glow season one? Yeah, final thoughts. Um, I came into this project knowing – or well, pretty much with, with with some high hopes on it, just because of the cast. Um, and then <laughs> the date came out. I didn't watch it right away because again, the whole move stuff. And then I get some text messages saying, "Hey, I was in Breeze naked in the first five minutes of the episode." So, of course, <laughs> I had to stop everything I was doing to check it out, oh, and it was worth it. Uh, yeah. But that being said, I knew I was going to enjoy this as soon as I started watching it. As soon as it announced, I was excited for it, um, and I think it delivered. I knew it was not going to be a wrestling show. I knew it was going to be a show based around the world of wrestling. Um, so what I saw is what I expected, and I want more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the cast was fantastic. The humor was biting. The nudity was beautiful when it when it was there. It wasn't uh, grat- gratuitous. Um, yeah, I I just I, I fucking loved it. Um, I wished. I just wish there was more. I think it would have worked better, maybe as an hour drama. And then again, maybe not. You know, like we're. I'm. I'm. I'm foaming at the mouth, wanting more episodes. So maybe it is in this proper format. You know. Um, right. So. So yeah, I think. I, I think it's pretty fucking good. Um, I would give this probably for a TV show over the course of everything a good three and a half out of four stars. Perfect. So three and a half stars from mark yeah so i'm certain you can tell by now uh through my you know ranting the past whatever hour and a half or so but i mean i absolutely loved everything about glow it's it's fucking tailor-made for me as a theater nerd and a pro wrestling fanatic since i can remember 
um, and I couldn't ask for more. Yet Glow delivers more. We also get some hilariously written dialogue, wonderful, fully realized characters that I genuinely like spending time with and getting to know, and even some awesome nudity, which I didn't expect going in. Uh, It's acted impeccably by the entire cast, and the screen chemistry between the girls and Sam and Bosch is just fucking palpable. They're fantastic. Even better, I feel like you don't have to be a wrestling fan to appreciate what Glow is all about, because at its heart, it's a story of, of friendship and perseverance, as corny as that sounds, but it's done in a wonderfully realistic way that never feels melodramatic or forced, which is about as good a compliment I can give this script. I cannot wait to see what season two brings with some of these relationships, specifically Sam and his daughter, Sam and Ruth, and Ruth and Debbie. There's just so much room for this to grow into something even deeper and more meaningful, which is incredible. I was absolutely blown away by Glow. I, Admittedly, I wasn't really excited to watch this series this week. I don't know why. It was just something I wasn't looking forward to hitting play on for whatever reason, and I think it's probably just because I've been in such a video gaming mood lately. Then... I went ahead and finished the whole thing. I finished it in like three days. You know, it's it's just fucking fantastic. And absolutely, it, it's absolutely another must-see Netflix original series, much like Sense8 and Stranger Things. So clearly I'm giving Glow four out of four stars. Wow, right on. Hell yeah. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Can't wait to see what else we got. So before we wrap up for the evening... Let's move over to round 31 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge, the return of the Besting the Backlog Challenge. This, of course, where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. And just as a reminder, for this feature, each of us takes a look at the other's unwatched file, be it their home video collections or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and pick one film that the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast, where they then give a quick review of the film. So just a reminder, last week, we actually had a guest pick our all three of our films, which Ash will, uh, of course, talk about uh, his pick next week when he's back on the show. But Chris chose The Grand Budapest Hotel for me from 2014. He chose Raiders, the story of the greatest film fa- fan film ever made from 2015 for Mark. And he chose La- Lilo and Stitch from 2002 for Ash, which again, will be talked about next week. So, Mark, go yes. ahead and talk about Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. Okay, so this is one of the final Draft House film releases. So this is number 38, came out last year. Or I guess 20, well, 2015. Um, so this is about three boys that um, you find out through the course of the film, all through from broken homes. Um, they decide over the course of one summer to film uh, a shot-for-shot remake or adaptation of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, this shot-for-shot remake takes over seven summers. So as the <laughs> film progresses, they get older. Um, there's only one scene that they did not film, and it was the scene with the plane with the with the bald Nazi and the explosions. So now this film uh, follows them on how the film was made, uh, other backstories, and the struggle to film that one scene to complete the film. Um, it's actually like I've been on a bit of a documentary kick recently, and this one is actually really good. It sounds kind of lame, like you're watching a movie about guys who filmed things as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. like, who cares? 
but it was actually really, really good. Um, and this film actually became a bit of a Hollywood cult phenomena where people would kind of like South Park would actually pass the tape along to other people in the movie business to show, Hey, these 12 year old kids made remade this movie. Hmm. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's actually pretty decent and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I watched it. Um, and there's actually a few parts at the end where like, holy shit. Um, I don't want to ruin those, those aspects, but, uh, at, at times the film is kind of gripping and mm. you're wondering, are they going to, are they going to actually meet all the goals they've set up for themselves? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's pretty decent. So this is, so I watched this off the draft house Blu-ray release. Um, it's got a 16 page booklet. It's got multiple commentaries. Surprisingly enough, it does not have, uh, the version of the film that they shot on this release, which I'm kind of surprised. Not well, that I'd watch it. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd ever watch it, to be honest with you, just oh. because I I don't know if when I'd be in the mood to watch a 12-year-old remake or 12-year-old kids remake, you know, uh, Raiders. Do they but, show scenes uh, of it, though? Oh, yeah, tons. You see tons okay. of scenes and stuff like that, cool. behind-the-scenes stuff. There's tons of archived footage, tons of it. Um, so, in a way, you, you might feel that you have seen it, but just not in sequence. Um, so, I'm surprised this wasn't added as a special feature, the actual film. Um, would I buy it as a release by itself? No, I wouldn't. I've got the original Raiders. I'm I'm happy with that version. But this uh, this documentary is actually pretty cool. Um, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll have to ch- uh, let me just check Letterboxd really quickly here. I don't recall what I gave it as a rating. I think it was pretty high, anyways. And I gave it four out of five stars, so I would give this three out of four stars. Perfect. Yeah. See, this is one that I really want to see, but I have not seen Raiders yet, so I have to watch that first. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've not seen, seen any. Any only Indiana Jones movie, Jones movie I've seen was yeah. the uh, fourth one because I saw it in theaters with some friends. You're kidding? No, we okay, talked so, about yeah. you, we talked about this uh, relatively recently. I thought. Oh, probably. I'm still yeah. astonished. Like Melissa's yeah. never seen Goonies, and I'm like, oh, I okay, can't that. yeah, that one. You know, I used to love Goonies, and I watched it again recently, and I don't love the Goonies that much. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Goonies never say die. <laughs> Don't, 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 uh, I'm not a huge fan. You know what, though? I think if she saw it today, it obviously not have the same impact Mm -hmm. as I have felt when I saw it when I was a kid. Right, right. Especially I saw it at a sleepover back in the day. So it's, it's very nostalgic, but I still think it holds up. Anyways, um, but yeah, you, which if we've mentioned this before, I'm going to tell you again, (laughs) go watch these. You saw the Shia LaBeouf one. Right. Uh, yeah. No, it's the worst out of the three. But uh, that's oh. that had to be when we were talking about this because we t- it had to be during Transformers with Shia LaBeouf. Probably. Yeah. Um, f- which is awesome now because I'm going to that uh, National Expo in Toronto at the end of the mm-hmm. month, and Drew Struzian, uh, who's a famed uh, poster artist right. back in the eighties, yeah. he's going to be at this uh, convention. So I'm going to get him to sign my Last Crusade poster. Oh, very cool! It's his fucking art. So that's awesome. I'm kind of excited about that. Plus, I also have a, a Spanish Goonies poster, and he did the Goonies art as well. Very so I'm cool. debating if I want to get two posters signed. I'm thinking I right. will just because when will I ever meet this guy ever again? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, anyways, I'm just nerding out now. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I liked it. Um, would I watch it again? Maybe I'll watch it again. But, mm-hmm. you know, how often do documentaries have replay value? Uh, you know, it really depends on if you really like the subject matter or not. Right, exactly. Um, which, by the way, I have one coming down the pipeline for my uh, Netflix series mm-hmm. of, uh, of reviews. Holy fuck, I saw it this weekend. 
I won't talk about it. I'll even mention the name of it yet. It'll, it'll be coming shortly uh, down uh, the timeline. But, uh, okay, I'll say it. Uh, I watched a movie called Orion, The Man Who Would Be King. Okay, I don't know and that. It's about this guy who has a voice like Elvis Presley. Oh. Wanted to become a singer, but everybody told him no because Elvis Presley was still alive. So two years after he uh, Elvis dies, he gets a gimmick where he puts on a mask and he calls himself Orion and sings just like Presley, but not his music, his own music. Hmm. And people wonder, fuck, is that the king? Did he fake his death? And is he Orion? Oh, Dude, really? Yeah. It's on Netflix right now. It's oh. fucking good. It's really good. Uh, I've, already, I've already got my review typed out and I'm just waiting for me to get to that letter of the alphabet. But uh, that was really, really good. So I highly recommend that. Very cool. I'll have to, yeah. have to check that one out. Yeah. So how about uh, how about uh, uh, Moonlight Kingdom? Was that the one? Uh, that- no, that was Shit. not. Shit. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. I knew that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I right. have been told it's Grand Budapest. So I don't know. Whatever. People Pesht. were. Pesht. I'm saying yes. past because who fucking cares? Um. So yes. Yeah, so are you ready for a another confession that would uh, many would consider a cinematic sin? I am sitting down right now. Okay, good. I've never seen a Wes Anderson film before today. Really? <clears throat> no. So that said, I own a surprising amount of Wes Anderson movies <laughs> on Blu-ray. Uh, mostly thanks to the Criterion Collection because they have a ton. Um, and Chris spotted the only Anderson film that he enjoys in my unwatched list with the Grand Budapest Hotel. So this one tells the story of Gustav H., a concierge at the famous titular hotel between the two world wars and his lobby boy named Zero. The whole story is actually told in flashback, with Zero telling another gentleman the story of how he came to be the owner of the hotel and the richest man in this fictionalized uh, region or country, whatever. So I actually had no idea whatsoever what this film was about heading into it. And I think I only bought the Blu-ray because I was buying virtually any fucking thing at that point when this came out on Blu-ray. Um, but frankly, I'm glad I didn't know what it was about because it doesn't sound like something I would enjoy at all. So I'm mm-hmm. sure I would have skipped out on it, which would have been a real shame because this is an absolutely awesome piece of art and an awesome introduction to the world of Wes Anderson. So the first thing that struck me with this movie was Anderson's use of color. Every scene is fucking fantastic to look at and almost every shot could be framed and put up on my wall. Things are bright and vibrant, which keeps them interesting as hell. You know, I've always heard about how Wes Anderson used color in interesting ways, but it's a whole other thing to finally experience it. Um, I also love the fact that the movie tells the viewer specifically to set their monitor to 16 by 9 widescreen at the start of the film. And that's really the first time I've ever seen a movie do that. And even better is the fact that only about a quarter or less of the entire film is actually presented in 16 by 9. The current day, which is actually like the late 60s, I believe. Um, is set in 16 by 9, but the majority of the film is set decades earlier, and that's presented in 4 by 3 full screen mode. Um, I don't remember, I don't recall many movies that switched their aspect ratio throughout the film like this, and though it sounds like it might be jarring, it's actually worked exceptionally well. Um, so, Grand Budapest Motel, it, it, it almost feels like a stage play in the, in the way it's presented. Anderson is not at all interested in in presenting a realistic tone, but instead lavishes in the fact that he's creating art and everything seems played up a bit, which again may not sound great, but it just fucking works, man. 
The cast is insane with huge, recognizable actors playing smaller roles like uh, Willem Dafoe, Har- uh, Harvey Keitel, Jude Law, Bill Murray, Edward Norton, Tilda Swinton, uh, Jason Schwartzman. Um, Adrian Brody as Dimitri is fucking brilliant as well because he's slimy as fuck and it works so well for his character. Um, and I was blown away by our two, two, uh, by the two leads, Ralph, uh, Fiennes, I think is how you say his name, and Tony. Ralph Fiennes, yeah. Yeah, uh, Tony Revolori, um, a younger actor, and he was fucking great, great. Um, they're just hilarious together. They make a really fun team to watch. Frankly, I would have been content watching these two tell their story for another few hours because they're so engaging and just fascinating to watch. Um, like Glow, I really don't have any complaints about Grand Budapest Hotel. It's vibrant. It's charismatic and it's even thrilling at times, which I didn't expect at all. Um, it's really given me the bug to watch more of Anderson's work because if this proves to be an accurate representation of what his film output consists of, then I've got a potentially new favorite film to find out on the horizon. I absolutely loved Grand Budapest Hotel and I recommend it to everyone who may have passed on it initially. So I'm giving the Grand Budapest Hotel four out of four stars. Have you seen this Very one? Nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I watched it off Netflix. Um, I'm not sure why I did, mm-hmm. but uh, I loved it. Good. Yeah. I, I, I kind of over overlook his movies. Yeah. I'm like, that's Mr. Fox I never saw. Mm-hmm. Um, the one where they're camping and it, uh, they're looking for like two kids or something. Moonrise Kingdom? I didn't Kingdom? watch either. That's Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. I, I recently bought that though. So I'm going to watch it. Yeah. But like I saw his earlier stuff like uh, their own Ten of Bombs and Bottle Rocket and those are great films. Um, I need to see those. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I, I waited so long for Grand Budapest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was full lord by it. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's absolutely brilliant. So I'm, I'm really glad. Thank you, Chris, for picking that one for me. So hell yeah. So next week, um, Ash will be talking about Lilo and Stitch, courtesy of Chris. And then we are going to swap films right now. So okay. interestingly enough, Mark, you said that you're on a documentary kick. Well, I actually picked your film before uh, you said that. And okay. so if you still have not watched it, which frankly you may have, there is a film from 2014. It is a documentary, a shorter film called- okay. Why horror? Yes, I have not watched it yet. Perfect. But my my, uh, my horror buddy Tal, he's the one who uh, is the host of that film. I yes, what, that movie. okay, very cool. Yeah, following horror fan Tal Zimmerman as he looks at the psychology of horror around the world. That's awesome. So I'll have you watch yeah. that one. Why Fantastic. horror from twenty fourteen? I wish I was as nice as uh, as you were. Uh, you so can always I, uh, you can always go back and uh, you haven't made your pick yet. So. Well, you can always, you can also tell me. Wait, I did see this, and I would believe you because why would you lie? Exactly. Um, but looking I, I, at uh, your list, mm-hmm. and uh, I just picked a letter. Yeah, I fell on the letter L. So for you, I am picking 2005's Larva. <laughs> Oh, okay. Very good. You know, I, I got that movie because of uh, winning a a contest through Smarmy Dirk Faces. faces oh, uh, no! Thing. And so, yeah. So, I will watch Larva from 2005. <laughs> well, it does have Rachel Hunter and William Forsyth. So, it can't okay. be bad, bad, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. It's only an hour and uh, 36 minutes, so yeah. you, know, you could probably, uh, if you sp- split that in four sittings, it's really not that bad. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. So just to recap, Ash will be talking about Lilo and Stitch from 2002. I will be talking about Larva from 2005. And Mark will be talking about Why Horror from 2014. I so dodged the bullet this time. <laughs> it's right in the chest. <laughs> That's right. So that'll wrap thing. I'm just saying pillow fights. All right. <laughs> oh, we should live stream that one. Exactly. So that'll wrap things up for this week. So remember that we will be back with another episode next Friday as we kick off our Slasher Resurgence arc with a double feature review of I Know What You Did Last Summer from 1997 and its sequel, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer from 1998. And Ash should be back with us next week as well, as long as he's feeling better. Um, And then remember, throughout the rest of the summer, we are going to be on that bi-weekly schedule, releasing a new double feature episode every other week until we hit around mid-September. So just keep that in mind. So as always, if you have a question for the three of us here at the Cinefessions Podcast, please hit us up using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust and give us some question of the week option so we can bring that segment back to the show. Um, if you're not, for, for whatever reason you're not on Twitter, give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is that you may be listening to us. Positive reviews help us reach a larger audience, which is always the goal. So we really appreciate you taking the time to help us grow. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love to interact with our listeners there. You can find us on Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So make sure you're following along on all those platforms. And also, Mark, remind our listeners where else we can find you online. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Mark underscore Nadu. That's uh, M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U on Twitter, as well as mnado 2 on Instagram. Fantastic. And uh, you can also follow me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. All right. So I want to thank everyone for listening to episode 101 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember... In film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>